Okay. This is Walter Simonson for 11 O'Clock Comics. Tune in. This is Louise Simonson for 11 O'Clock Comics. It's awesome. <laughs> Hmm, that's a particularly excited woohoo. I wonder why. Oh, yeah. Hmm, it's weird. It's almost like there's something going on. Yeah, what they don't know won't hurt them. Is They'll that know a, soon enough. Is that a board? Hammer, don't hurt them. Oh, God. Please hurt them very much. Do I hear a board cube? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's like a xylophone of inebriation. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. That was very creative. That was very good. Yes. And because we're all very creative, this, look at it. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 832. Jesus. Woo. Yes. Woohoo. And, oh, we can't do that. Sorry. And no, I, no, stepping on toes. Well, she can. She can do as she wants. I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I love you. I'm David A. Price. This is true, and of course, I'm Afro Samurai. Wow. How come? Well, is there ever a bad time to be Afro Samurai? No, but what's the relevancy of, of Afro Samurai, like right now? Did you read it? Uh, yeah, I, I read, uh, read uh, Takashi Okazaki's Afro Samurai this week. Interesting. Yeah. No, but you're not Afro Samurai. You're Jason Wood and... and- Wait a minute. Jason Wood. Jason Wood. <laughs> it's, like, it's like my own little ventriloquist puppet. Who is in residence with us this week? <gasps> who could it be? Who could it be? It's me, you guys. It's Tana. Exclamation. <laughs> exclamation. No, lots of exclamation points. <laughs> this has been in Hi, the friend. works for a long, 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 long time. It has. And, Pre-pandemic, and yeah. I, uh, I have to say I'm very excited for this. I don't want to kind of poop on our previous guests, but I'm very excited <laughs> to have you here. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. I'm so glad that we finally made this happen. Yes. You know why? I'll tell you why. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the, the stuff, out of all the people we we chat with at conventions, right, you are the most present of anyone we always speak to you're 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 you pay attention you you parlay ideas back and forth you are always in great spirits and you're just like you're you're in the moment and i love that you're not like yeah let me tell you about what i got coming down the road in two months like you don't seem to have that kind of i got to sell you something agenda where you just want to be there and talk to people and i love that and it's rare i i i had that was part of what i had for 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 tonight is i mean it's ironic that you said that that is always present because we've walked by our table multiple times and it's always like oh i'm at a panel right now and it's like okay we'll we'll (laughs) we'll actually catch up but but you are absolutely right it's she you 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 are one of the most friendly and welcoming and inviting and i i just walking down the aisle seeing your face and just it, it's it, there's always something going on at your table there's always people mm-hmm. who are talking to you. you you have fans that are just giddy to, to spend a few moments with you and and it is it, it is one of the more enjoyable 
tables at any convention we attend. Oh, you guys, you're so sweet. That's so wonderful to hear, though, because I really have a great time at shows. And uh, so it's nice that you guys have a, a good time, you know, with me. And yeah. not that it matters, but it does. You're an award winner. You're, Ugh, you're a big time. Yes. Well claimed. Dabs, dabs. Nice. <laughs> but but we'll get we'll get into all that. But we have to let them know who made this here thing possible. And it is our wonderful patrons. Patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. Take a look around. If you like the audio and the video and the downloads and the images and all the other shit that you get on the Patreon. Yeah, well, not literally. Um, we would love to usher you into the family. Just go there, take a look around, tell us what you'll see. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Some interesting care packages if it was literally. Yes. Um, uh, well, here is the part where I dropped the ball. Uh-oh. You had yes. months. I know, I had months. And, okay, Uh-oh. I planned... To bring the the uh, Basil Hayden's, right? Okay. Because yep. I I wanted to hear you smile. Oh baby. But I'm uh, for this what episode. Happened? I'm Kevin McAllister. I would I'm what the French call le compétent because I could not locate any of that stuff in my neck of the woods. Oh. So oh no. I'm drinking just beer. I'm drinking Dogfish Head 90 minute IPA. Um, so hopefully, I mean, it's better than cherry lime water. That's true. Right. For tonight it is. Yes. But I, I really true. did try to yeah. bring the, the Basil Hayden's. Yeah. I hope I'm just not the only one without it. Cause then I'll feel well, like. I was going to say, I mean, I mean, I, I love Tana like a little sister, but uh, there's nothing, despite that, I would never drink Basil Hayden's or anything like it. So, um, so I, uh, I am, but I am drinking tonight, which is, you know, triumph on itself. So uh, I am drinking uh, a, uh, a a wonderful Cabernet Sauvignon that uh, that I have uh, drank many many times over the years on the show, the uh, Close de la Siete. As I mentioned uh, to Dap last week, it's back in the fold. We bought a case of it recently, so uh, so it's uh, it is here and ready to uh, get in my belly. Nice. Ooh. Excellent. Thanks. No. Jason, do you just not drink any whiskeys? Is that why you wouldn't drink basil? Yeah, yeah, I I just don't. (laughs) Not a fan of brown. In my adult life, I've had whiskey maybe 10 times, almost every time with DAP in some fashion. And it's always a labor of love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Emphasis on the labor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have friends like that. Yeah. You still love them. I like it. I just can't find it. (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll have to get... When we meet up, I will. I'll have a bottle for you. Come on, it's Scranton. It's Scranton. I know. What am I? I, gonna... I gave a bottle. I gave a bottle to Dominion for uh, for for Christmas. Well, which is also kind of his birthday. But it's it's yeah. He's is a it, Jesus. He is not the Jesus. Oh. <laughs> uh, what are you drinking? So. Uh, I am drinking Basil Hayden's. Uh, you guys had me doing the intro in your last show, and so I, I name dropped uh, Basil Hayden's. I think I said Dark Rye the last time, but uh, tonight I'm drinking their Subtle Smoke, which is my favorite of all of the Basil Hayden line. Uh, Basil Hayden, if you are a whiskey person or a bourbon person, is a small batch distiller. They were bought by a big company somewhat recently. Yeah. 
Um, which is sad, but like, I don't know, the quality is still good. And they've started coming out with these variants. And one is called Toast. And I, I thought that? it was, I just tried it. So I gave it, <laughs> I gave it to my cousin as a gift for Christmas because I knew we'd be hanging out at Christmas and I would be able to try it. <laughs> Smart, nice. very smart. <laughs> it was. And she is also, she does whiskey tastings with me as well. Uh, I think I'm always the person in the group that loves bourbon the most. And so we'll like try to get my friends to enjoy it. And my friends are often like, this is like drinking gasoline. And so like, but they try. <laughs> um, but of all the things, I think that the subtle smoke, which I have going right now is my favorite. It's just very deep and complex and, and I especially love it. And you can drink it neat, and it has all of these like n- these nice spice notes and complexity. And then you can also drink it on the rocks, and it just sort of like it doesn't flatten out; it mm-hmm. opens up. And uh, and I like that. But I am going to throw you guys a curveball. We can I can do it after uh, you say what you're drinking, David. Uh, I have not seen the smoke um, in any of my retailers, but um, I have been tempted. To pick up the toast, um, but since you mentioned it and um, recommended it to us when we saw you in October at New York mm-hmm. Comic Con, um, and shortly after I got home, I ran out, grabbed a bottle, and it is probably um, it is it's the second best. Yes whiskey i've had this year and it well, is my favorite rye to date Ooh, isn't it so good the dark rye uh i know because my friend ashley who uh started the silk squad is a whiskey person and i think did some sort of like work for um uh ad work or branding or something for basil hayden's and so she introduced me to Basil Hayden's, but she, we would do conventions together, and she brought the dark rye just when it first came out. And when I tell you, it was the best show of you know, we had like a little stashed away bottle behind there, and we'd like, like cheers at the end of the day. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, it was phenomenal. But that dark rye, man, it is so good. There's a there's a deepness to it, and and you have to do rye well, or it's, it's super smooth. It's yeah. Oh my god, I love I'm it so much. But it, it, the 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 very best thing. I won't mention just because right now only because I don't want um, I don't want to hurt. Um, it's what it's what really uh, no, well. It's 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 it's, oh, no. it's the it's it's the Glen Levitt eighteen. Oh, the very best one. That's what you're gonna say. Yeah, nice. Glen Levitt eighteen. Uh, well, so I have this thing, you guys, uh, that I want to make you uh, participate in um, oh every year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So every year I get a whiskey advent calendar. Um, and oh, nice. yeah, and I start it early uh, in like October. So an advent <laughs> calendar you're supposed to do in like December, right? And uh, but but one, I'm not going to drink whiskey every single day for a month. Um, but also, I like doing it with friends, with people, with like sharing the experience. And I got as far as number 18 of my whiskey advent calendar. So I'm hoping that you guys will select a number between 18 and 24 because those are the whiskeys that I have left. They're in this little advent calendar. Uh, that I have, I'll open it, 
and then I can try it here with you guys and your Excite. listeners. Oh, that's a good yeah. idea. And it's not like you can't taste it with me, which is sad, but I can at least share the experience with you guys. What do you think of that? I just want to take a second to, to uh, state the obvious that Tony's out of a job. Right, right? Yep. I was yeah, I mean, that may have been the best guest drink roll call we've ever Yeah, had. he's done. He's done. Yeah. What are you drinking, Tony? Uh, 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 wonderful. A big I, glass of... I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say 22. 22. All right. Let's open it up. And I can send you a picture of this, too, and you can put it on your Patreon for all your Patreons. Lovely. That would be great. Yeah. Some behind-the-scenes stuff. All right. So here we go. Number 22. And they come these little adorable little drams. Oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. That is definitely a Gaelic word or a Scotch word. Uh, la oh, my God. This is going to be so bad. Lafrogue. Nope. L-A- P H R O A I G. It's a ten-year-old yeah. sherry oak-finished single malt scotch. I'm gonna put it in the chat, uh, wow. but I have no idea how to pronounce this. But yes, and so yeah. I'm you gonna. You got drink it almost this. right. I believe it's Lafroig. Lafroig. Like yeah. Um, Lafroig. Yeah. Also sounds like a piece of furniture. It is Scottish, my homeland. Yeah. So. It's yeah with with an emphasis on the on the second syllable. Lafroig. Lafroig. Freud, 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 like, 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 I've forgotten A in there, but yes, yeah, so cool. Uh, but yeah, they come in these little bottles. Send you guys pictures of this stuff after we're done. Cool. But yeah, here we go. And the way that the whiskey tasting works is you get this little dram, and uh, I have a notebook where I keep notes on all mm. the whiskeys, and nice. uh, whoever I'm doing the whiskey tasting with will also give their notes you know and sometimes these are like well-meant ones and sometimes it's like this tastes like gasoline or this is iodine or yes this is like band-aids yeah well the, uh, I'm, I'm reading about lafroig here and it says one of the most divisive scotch whiskeys so, see so. isn't it appropriate that i picked that one? Ooh, baby yes. it really yep. is okay. and you had a hard time pronouncing Ooh, it that's my whole shtick Yes. Lafroig. But now I've learned something. Lafroig. I know how to say it now. Lafroig. That's mm -hmm. great. Uh, okay, so it is a very harsh smelling scotch. Yeah. Yeah. Once right. again. Definitely forward. Finished in sherry uh, barrels. So let's see if we get any of that sherry finish. Here we go. Neat. Ooh, hot. <laughs> Burns, evaporates in the mouth. Coming in hot. See, the, the universe is notes. just giving me a big old bear hug right now. Oh, complexity. I mean, I'm getting a lot of nuts here, walnuts, pecans. See now. See. Yeah. It's a, it's, no. <laughs> the show here. Uh -uh. No, <laughs> not doing it. It's, it's a little, it finishes that's a, that's with a hot That's an outlier for you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Not going down Fantastic. that Fantastic. Oh. I'm glad you semi-enjoyed it. Yes, and so this is what I will be sipping on uh, as we as we go through the night. I've got two. Well, so how often of this advent have you tried it yep. and been like, nah, son? Uh, zero time. Um, okay. I won't say zero, but a very low percentage. Um, the whiskey advent calendar is put out by the Spirit Company. If you guys are interested in doing something yourself, it's uh, out of the UK, but they will ship to the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and it's wonderful. And they're like the award-winning whiskeys and scotches and bourbons. You can get the, there's like an American package. There's 
the like whiskeys of of Ireland package and then whiskeys of the world, something like that. And so these are all very award winning things. These are, you know, some of them are 30 year old scotches and uh, stuff that I would never be able to afford that I can do because they're part of this like mix pack. So I love it. And even the ones like a, a peated whiskey or something that's like especially pungent or astringent is still like interesting to me because I enjoy it as a like I don't know I I enjoy the craft of it and so you know even when it's a little you know a little far out for me and not something I might choose I can definitely get through that small amount and sort of appreciate the the tasting of it you know I I know exactly there's a uh and and that's that's very much like the the Ardbeg that uh that that Sanford gifted us uh uh, at heroes and that's i mean as soon as you smell it it's like it's it's peat moss and lawnmower yep. clippings and it's just it's mm. it's really hard to get down and, like and it's basically sucking on swamp thing it really it, yeah and and I'll, I'll i'll have it only if like if i'm starting to feel sick or if i need to just like you know make a hot toddy i'll just use that yeah. but it's it's one of those things just love that but um and and this is not gonna interest vince jason at all but um <laughs> One of my favorite restaurants around the corner is Whiskey River, and um, I went to pick up dinner right uh, right around Christmas. And um, Ronan, who's pretty much runs the place, one of my favorite people in the world. Jason met him and, and thought he was drunk, but he uh, <laughs> that's just his personality. Um, he uh, he hands me this 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 small box and uh, on my way out, and he's like, "This is I don't know." Basically, it looks like I don't know if they're if this was a, a trial or if they're actually going to do this. But I get home, I open up this small box, and there are there are four drams labeled A through D, and the whole the, the idea of it is a blind tasting. You're 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 going. They, they tell you what four what the four whiskeys are. Yep. But they're not going to tell you which one is which until you open up the sealed wax sealed envelope and but but and, and it comes with little note cards and you can actually oh, write that. everything down. And I just I haven't opened it yet, but oh, it I is it's it's one of my favorite things. I'm like, this is great. I, I mean, yes, oh, it's I a reminder it. that I love it here, but I'm like, this is this is it. It's just I, I can't wait to crack it open. Oh, that is that is a good way to spend an evening, my friend. Yes. Wow. So Tana, are you going to alert yep. the other two schmoes when you're ready to open another dram of uh <laughs> we're doing one a night guys this oh we're not doing three i thought yeah. no yeah you no, got the this is gonna be it yep oh i thought and we I were doing say, three i would be you guys would have an interesting version of a guest on your show uh-huh. <laughs> uh but yeah this is uh it's getting a little it's it's boggy now there's like a, a boggy i don't well, know we're funky. Get, we're get updates yeah. every so often yeah it's good mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so i yep. i in anticipation of you you coming on, I I'm sure you've you've listened to the show a bunch. You so you know Vince often will talk about like conceptual continuity, and I yeah. found this very interesting thing. So uh, as you're probably aware, uh, Kate Beaton's graphic novel Ducks, you know, is, mm-hmm. is is getting all the love this year, right? Yep. And yep. Um, mm-hmm. and and I I you know I've known you and your work for, we've we've known you and your work for a long time, but it is just recently that I discovered. That your first ever graphic novel was called Duck, mm-hmm. not Ducks, yes, and 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 the, and and the really fascinating thing that I want to ask you about is that it says on the cover, written and illustrated by J. T. Ford. 
Yeah. I, uh, I, it does indeed. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, why is it, uh, just my initials is there? Is that the sort of, yeah, question? well, I, cause I know you as Tana. So I, I didn't know that, mm-hmm. that was your, your middle name. And, and, and mm. when did you go from JT to Tana like, yeah. professionally? Um, I've always gone by Tana. My first name is Joanna, but it wasn't intended to be. And also, so if you say them together, which my parents, my mother should have, Joanna Tana right. rhymes with banana. I yeah. was doomed. <laughs> yeah, I was doomed to have the nickname banana forever. Like, sound it out, mom. And she would say, well, I was on a lot of drugs, you know, because I was giving birth or whatever. Like, <laughs> I was born on my grandmother's birthday. Her gra- her mother's name is Joanne so she wanted at the very last minute to name me after my grandmother right it's a very sweet gesture uh but my name was always supposed to be Tana so I ended up going by my middle name my whole life which has just been you know confusion anytime I was in a new classroom or have to do anything official or you know my mail any kind of like government mail comes to yeah it's all Joanna Yeah, yeah. yeah and so uh, when I was trying to figure out how to make comic books for the first time, uh, I didn't know, like, I don't know, uh, I had a few sort of influences about, like, uh, using initials, and I was in kind of a a phase of my artistic life where I was, like, reading T.S. Eliot, and people went by initials, the um, the first woman to ever run in the Boston Marathon signed up using just her initials. Uh, and so slipped through the cracks. Women weren't allowed to run in the Boston Marathon. And uh, but she got in this way. And uh, and it wasn't until she was like running in the race and they noticed that she's fully a woman with a with a number that it became this whole kerfuffle. And so I think all that stuff was sort of swirling in my mind at the time when I was trying to figure out, well, what is my author name going to be? You know, will I have, you know, what what do I go by? Uh, and so JT seemed like the thing at the time. Uh, but, you know, I figured it out eventually. I love it. Yeah. I love learning something new about you. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's funny, those little, those little anecdotes of one's career that you might not even remember much about, right? Like that, oh. that you once d- dubbed yourself something else professionally. Yeah. yeah oh, man. Yeah, that's reaching way back. I want to open the book of Tana to page one. And Ooh, and and ask the obvious question: Why comics? Uh, why why not comics? Comics are the Tr- best. This is true, That's but true. but what was the bolt out of the blue that just made you aware that you wanted to draw sequential illustrations for the rest of your life? Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. The uh, I was in college and I was reading so. I'm an out lesbian. For anybody that maybe doesn't know very much about me, uh, I am a a lesbian. I'm an out lesbian working in comics. And at the time that I was, and I grew up in Massachusetts, and I went to school in Boston, I went to college in Boston. And so I had this like thriving queer community, and I became very interested. There's a rich history of queer comics, of gay comics, that goes back to like the time of like even there were what were the machines called before like Xerox machines like there were when mass pro- pro- production of yes, yes mimeographs and yep. like fanzines and things so queer culture was very underground it was always very underground uh, but there's all this thriving historical documentation that still exists 
because queer people were making comics. And I studied some of that in school and I found it really fascinating. And I wanted to read things about my experience now. And at the time, which was um, the late 90s, early 2000s, like there weren't gay people in things, right? Like that kid came out on Dawson's Creek and it was a huge deal. Like they're queer, like there wasn't any, you know, like the defense of marriage, like all of these, this legislation and things like you didn't have equality, you know, and, uh, and so it was still seen as kind of a shameful or an underground thing. And so as I was exploring my identity, I wanted to read stuff about this. And so I found things like Alison Bechdel's Dykes to Watch Out For. And uh, Wendell was a really like, uh, beautiful series. Howard Cruz's um, yep. Stuck Rubber Baby is beautiful. And so there's this, a ton of material, but a lot of it felt very dated. Uh, the bulk of it was very gay male focused. Sure. Uh, and then and then with like Alison Bechdel stuff, which was beautiful and wonderful. It was all I was 20, you know, and she was writing about like 40 year olds with mortgages and kids and like, you know, going for, you know, the professional developments. And so like, you know, it was a completely different world than the world I was living in. So, so I started making comics that I wanted to read because the comics I wanted to read didn't exist. And I thought, well, why not? Why not me? Why not make the story I want to see? That is the best answer ever. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. That's on point. Right. Because um, you changed the world in your wake and that's what you're doing. (laughs) I have been using my powers for good. You know, I think since I've uh, gotten into comics, there are a lot more like women uh, protagonists, uh, a lot more people of color, a lot more queer people, a lot of things that like I, that young Tana would have been thrilled to see right, right. now exist. And it's, you know, and it's this very rich world now. And I'm so glad that I get to be a part of it and I get to contribute to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask you, but but you sort of already answered it. I mean, it does seem like since since you jumped, since you got involved in comics, it, it does seem from our vantage that um, while we still have plenty of, of of progress to make, like representation has really exploded, particularly in probably I'd say the last I don't know seven to ten years. I mean, I feel like it's it's probably yeah. more recent than, but it does it certainly does feel that way just in terms of the uh, the, the books that that I I and worth I'm happy to see you know that are discussed and widely appreciated and. So I do feel like we've 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 definitely made progress. I don't again I don't I don't I still think in many ways that the industry like most industries is 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 still largely dominated by, you know, by a certain group, but it feels like representation has really exploded at least creatively. So I'm glad to hear that you you, you kind of agree with that. Yeah, it absolutely has. The first book that I got sort of notoriety for or was, you know, was the most popular book that I had done was Silk for Marvel and yeah, at yeah. the at the time that I, I was drawing Silk, it was written by Robbie Thompson. This was probably ooh, 2015, 2016 time. <clears throat> and uh, there were only five solo titles, female-led solo titles at Marvel. And Silk was the only woman of color uh, until Ms. Marvel came by. I think it was Mockingbird, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, something like that. Um but yeah, <coughs> I'm at the tail end of a cold, and mm. I uh, I might need to cough. I, th- I thought it was the dram. See if that Lefroy, yeah. yeah, yeah, you think it would kill whatever he's got going on. Biting back, <laughs> seriously. 
Mama I don't – remind me, um, because I, I know that um, uh, uh, Sana Amanat was, like, definitely mm-hmm. pretty important oh. at Marvel relative to uh, to Ms. Marvel in particular. Was she involved at all with, with Silk, or was, is that, did that predate her involvement? Uh, <clears throat> Sana actually gave me my first job. Ever. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yep. It was on a, a New Warriors gig. I did a mm-hmm. a New Warriors issue with uh, written by Chris Yost. And, um, but she was the one that hired me and then was like immediately promoted or something. And so I started working with Nick Lowe and some other Devin Lewis and some other guys over at Marvel who I nice. love, who are great. But yeah, she was huge. Uh, and, you know, and was pushing for getting more women into comics, getting more, you know, people f- with a different perspective. And, like, one of the things, we did some really wonderful things uh, on my run with Silk, and I'm still very proud of it all these years later. Um, but, like, we had female friendships, right? Like, women taking care of each other. And there were lesbians. I got to draw an on-screen lesbian kiss, uh, between, you know, two women who live to the end of the story, who we don't, you know, we don't murder our gays. Like, they're all of this really powerful stuff that I got to do and have fun with it. And it was still a fun sort of bombastic spider book. Um, but we did, you know, Silk was talking to her therapist and sort of trying to untangle the knots of with great power comes great responsibility. And where is the ethical choice between keeping the people I love safe and lying to them about who I really am or, you know, reaching out to them and bringing them in and and possibly putting them in danger and these sort of real moral questions that you get to wrestle with while web swinging and going to the negative zone and fighting dragons and like all of the cool other fun things that happen in comics. And it was, uh, you know, and it was a wonderful thing to do. And that stuff, having just having an interracial lesbian couple in the background of a spider book did not exist. Right. Like, right. you know, we had X-Men and stuff, but it was all subtext, really, uh, when I was growing up. And so we have come a long way and it's wonderful to be a part of it. That's true. Because like, even even in Amazing or Peter's own solo books, like. Robbie Robertson's son isn't really, you know, there, there's not a lot of, uh, not down with the swirl, as, 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 as my wife would like to say, but um, <laughs> it's, and, and, but it's not just, so, so, so yeah, you, you get to play around in this spider corner of the Marvel Universe, but I mean, you've also worked on some other pretty big properties that there, there was, there was um, Black Panther, Star Trek. Gem and the hologram. I, I say I yeah. add Gem and the holograms into that, especially thanks to to Sophie's work on it. But uh, you, you did some work for Valiant. I mean, you've you've yeah. the, I, I, I looking over your resume that and, and it's <laughs> not like extensive compared to some of the other people we've had on. But it's <laughs> you've done some you've done some really fun work, but it's also work that you. It, it comes across that you're incredibly proud of, unlike others where, you know, they're just like, yeah, it was a paycheck. Yeah, they just yep. needed me to draw. Like, like John Bashima drawing, you know, the Avengers. It's like, you know, yep. you, you're you actually, you're you're caring about the characters that you're drawing and the work that you're putting out. I do. I love this stuff. And, you know, and it is a, it is a joy to be able to do this kind of thing, you know? And so hopefully that translates to the page. It does. It, it does. It not only tra- translates to the page. 
it translates to the back pages. Like I'm going, mm-hmm. I, I read LaGuardia and enjoyed it immensely, but I will be completely and totally honest. My biggest amount of joy from that book came from your notes in the, the back matter when like you do a character um, drawing and you would put like your little comments in the, the one that really knocked me over was payment when yes. you for I am a, a fancy princeling and you crossed out princeling and put royal <laughs> and I just like I laugh because I could picture you say that yep and it's it just fits like you're you're in complete character even when you're just doing your little sketches and stuff yep. and I it's uh, you're I, I love I'm it. also I'm fortunate enough to work with people like uh, Nettie Okorafor is the writer on LaGuardia. And was my writer on Black Panther. We're working together on Space Cat. But even Robbie Thompson. Like, I I am blessed to be able to work with these people who also care so much about the source material and understand comics as collaboration. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that this is actually, this is a me and you dance, right? This is, this story that we're telling together is the story that you and I are telling together the way that we tell it, right? Like, our dance is different than if you had a different artist or if I had a different writer. And I think the the sort of respect and the care that goes into that behind the scenes stuff can be seen on the page, uh, and it, you know, and and little changes like that, like you know, um, making it you know into royal or instead of princeling or something, the sort mm. of like not genderlessness, but you know that you can kind of make these little alterations, these little tweaks, uh, and it sort of enhances the story. I think. Everything enhances the story, right? <laughs> every, every piece of work you do in front or behind the, of the scenes enhances the story. And um, I try and get this across to, to my students. You cannot do too much pre-production on your work. The, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the amount of sketches you do is only going mm-hmm. to enhance the final work. Um, because you don't know what works until you see what doesn't. Yeah, right? absolutely. I yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a uh, something interesting happen this year with my artwork. Um usually your early sketches are very loose, right? Like you're very gestural. Right. And if you get jammed up, it is often helpful to go back to your early sketches, to that early work when you're just sort of visualizing the story before it's really become a, a solid thing. And uh this year 2022 was a very hard year for me. Like <laughs> things just were bad. It was a bad year. And uh, and a lot of things were out of my control. And I found in my artwork that I started to get too tight, too controlled. Like I, I took all of this, now that I have some distance from it, I can see that like, oh, all in all of the ways that like, you know, my dogs had died, I, you know, a relationship ended, I was unsure where I would live, like things, big things were out of my control. I, my pages kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter and they were losing this like, this life, this organic line, this kind of flow that I have, that I love to have in my work. And, uh, and I think it was for me very interesting to take a step back and to look and be like, oh, that you were, I was being microscopic about things because I didn't have control in the rest of my life. And so it was helpful to go back to like the early sketches that I had of these particular scenes and kind of shake it up a little bit. 
uh, like erase the etch a sketch and try again, man. It was just right. a, a fascinating thing. I think when you're an artist, these external factors definitely filter through your body and sort of show up in your work in ways that maybe even if you're paying attention, you might miss. And it was interesting to see. True. Um, I mean, either way, you're infusing the work with energy, whether it's mm. it's a free energy or a um, constrained, feeling the weight of the world, negative type energy. All that's going to find its way into the work. It's just you have to try and kick that, the good stuff, yep. to, you know, higher than the, the bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the way yeah, you think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you, um, did you connect with Nitty through Marvel on Black Panther? Is that how you two came, or did you know her beforehand? Yeah. Uh, I was in a hotel room for a New York show. I, I don't remember if it was like FlameCon or if I, I don't remember why I was in New York, mm -hmm. but it was for a show. And so I think it was FlameCon. I don't remember. But I got a call from my editor, from my Silk editor, who's like, hey, we have this new project. Uh, and it's with this woman, Nitty, a core for. Uh, she's a sci-fi writer. He talked to me a little bit about like what they were trying to do at Marvel and like this sort of new project, new focus and would I want to do it? And I later found Devin and I was like, I, I don't know. That was a singular moment in my life where you without knowing it changed the trajectory of my life because Nettie and I then connected and it was amazing. Like she was new to comics she, I think this was her first Marvel work or very early. Uh, she, It was before she was writing Shuri. Um, it was like the first blush of Black Panther work that she was doing. And um, and it was just, I don't know. I felt an we, there was an immediate connection. And, uh, and uh, so we did some work on Black Panther. We got to create a venomized Black Panther character together, mm -hmm. which was so fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when it was collected into a trade, I'm actually a Hugo Award winner and a loser. We lost the Hugo Award uh, for Black Panther, Long Live the King, uh, which is so George Martin. And I want to say Gardner Desois, but I don't know for sure. There were two science fiction authors, and George Martin was one of them, who lost the Hugo Award one year, early-ish in his career, and uh, I think he had lost a, a couple of awards at this point. And, uh, and they decided to do a Hugo losers party at one of their hotel rooms. And so like all the Hugo losers were invited back to their hotel room. And I thought that was so great. And so since then, there's been like, it's kind of a badge of honor to lose it, uh, which, uh -huh. you know, is a thing. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And uh, but so we got to work together on a, a venomized Black Panther, which was so fun. And then uh, did uh, moved over to Dark Horse and did LaGuardia, yeah. which is what would go on to win the Eisner and uh, and actually win the Hugo Award, which is a, 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 a what is the word? Um, not an analogy. Ugh, um, it is a story about literal alien immigration. Um, right. And. I will remember this word tomorrow and it will drive me crazy that Metaphor? I don't have it right now. No, it's when something represents something else. Allegory. Mm. There it's yes. an allegory. Yes. There we go. Look at Vince coming up big. Look at right? you. I'm here to winner, serve. Winner, chicken dinner. Yes. Yeah. Now, were you at uh, either the Eisner's or the Hugo Award ceremonies? 
God, no, because it was, we won. Oh, was it during and COVID? Oh, it sorry. It was the yeah, COVID yeah. year. Yeah, 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 it was the COVID year. So we didn't get to do any of that fun mm-hmm. stuff, um, which is have you, such have a Have you shame. gotten to know, I mean, have you gotten to spend much time over the years in person with, with Nettie? I just met her at uh, this year. So we had been working together for like years at this point. Uh, and I know her so well. Like we text all the time and we email mm-hmm. and, you know, and all of this stuff. And like we're collaborating on all these works together. Uh, and she is just one of my favorite people like on the planet. And but we have never met in real life until mm-hmm. uh, until this year at Dragon Con in Atlanta. Nice. Yeah, nice. she was the uh, guest of honor. And uh, and I was a like in the artist alley and a guest there. And so we did a couple of spotlight panels. But I actually like got to see her in real life. And mm-hmm. it was incredible. And so um on my uh i have you know when you go to a a comic book convention you have the little um the thing that sticks up behind you a little banner you know that says my name on it and whatever uh tana ford the artist whatever and i had designed a new one that i was debuting at that show and uh it was for laguardia so i have one that's mostly like silk and marvel work and then i did one for laguardia and at the very bottom of it uh the year that we won the Hugo. George R. R. Martin did the announcements, and he wore a silver rocket ship hat that made him look like a cone head. Like he kept doing these, he kept doing these costume changes that were incredible. He had so many different hats: a turtle hat. He had different, like he had a feather boa at some point. Like it was, we couldn't be in person, so they really like went the extra mile to make it kind of a, an event. And uh, but he wore this silver rocket ship hat, and I I think he started his remarks by saying, um, "Graphic novels are not pornography," something like that. Like it was a great start. It was I was like, "This isn't getting any better." Amazing. Strong opener. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, it was so funny. And so at the very bottom of my art banner, I put I photoshopped a little picture, and it's all art from LaGuardia, right? And my name on it, and whatever. And at the very bottom. I put a Photoshop picture of George in the silver rocket ship hat. Like, so it's hidden, right? Like it's behind me. So if you're looking at me at the table, you can't see him because it's at the floor level. But uh, I showed it to Nettie and she thought it was so funny and she took pictures mm. of it. I think she sent them to him. And and so it's wonderful, um, you know, to meet people in real life. What a joy. I think it's why I have so much energy at shows because I love meeting people. I love I don't often get to interact with people that love comics and love storytelling and love this medium as much as I do. So I think when I go to shows, it's my chance to like be in community, to be mm-hmm. around people that love the stuff I love. And there's just such a tremendous energy there. So I really feed off it. And I love it. Yeah, I mean, me too. Vince, Vince, me too. Yeah, I mean, Vince, 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 <laughs> said earlier. I mean, with your 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 your. I mean, and he he used a great choice of word, turn of phrase when he said you're present. I mean, I think that's very true. I remember when, uh, as is often the case, I guess with me when I first met you, I was meeting you because I had arranged to get art from you, and yes. uh, and and I did, and at the time I didn't know that you listened to the podcast or knew who we were or anything like that. Um, I just approached you because I liked your art, right? And you were going to be at, at the artist alley. And then when I came to get to say hello and get get the art, you were like so excited. And oh. you, I mean, you know, you, I, I realized as as I get older that sometimes um, it's like online, right? Like people are always willing to 
write a complaint when they have a bad restaurant experience or like a bad hotel experience, right? Like it's, it's, it seems like people yeah. are much more compelled to say when they don't like something or even like on Goodreads, but like when, when something's good or they appreciate, like I wish we were wired as a, as a species to spend as much time complimenting someone. Cause you just never know. And the reason I bring it up is you, you gave, you, you gave us a compliment at that show that I have never forgotten. And it was so it like, it left us for because you know, we we met, and again, I didn't know that you even knew who we, like that you listened to the podcast. And then you said, "Oh, are David and Vince here?" And I said, "Oh." And then you said, "I love the show." And you said, "You know," and I'm paraphrasing. It was a long time ago, but you were like, "I, I, you know, I, 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 I was a relatively insular comic fan. Mm-hmm. Like I was a young, you know, queer comic fan. Like with not a lot yep. of people to identify with. And your show was like a haven. And I, it was like so flattering because we're three, you know, middle aged." You know, white Sorry, dudes, white slubs, you know, it's like, so I was like, wow. And, and, uh, and, and you, you taking the time to say that, like with such, with such candor has never left me. Like it's, it I, always, it always makes me, it always warms my heart when I think of that moment. So I remember that. that. And I remember telling you that you were a light in the darkness for me. Mm. Oh boy. My goodness. We, yeah. See, I'm in club now. She was <laughs> so telling you, you said that to Jason? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, wow. it's well, she true. Didn't know me yet. I, she didn't know me yet. <laughs> I didn't have anybody that was into this stuff. And so I had found Around Comics, uh, right. which led me to discovering Scotty Young, who very briefly had a podcast. Uh, yes. And he is friends with you guys, I think. And so through yes. him, I found, uh, or through those two avenues, which were the only avenues that I had into comics, I found you guys. I found you guys in like the nascent days of your now in the 800 uh, what episode are we on right now? 832. Yeah, I found you guys in the early, early days and it was magnificent and you know, the the books that you read, I think you were the ones that introduced me to We Three and like you were so intelligent. You you talk about the art form that I love in from perspectives and lenses that I don't see the world through. And it is such an enriching experience for me. And I love it. And you guys are wonderful. And I'm so honored to be on this show today. All right. All right. See, Jason, just, he makes This isn't people. about us. Yeah, uh-huh. No, no. But but no, I just, I mean, I had to tell her thank you for that. Because, you know, I don't know if <laughs> probably I said if she ever came on the show. Because I know that really was a, I mean, you know, uh, it meant a lot. But also... And uh, again, with conceptual continuity, Vince, I'm trying to pay honor to your to your worldviews. Thank you. Um, <laughs> when 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 we caught up at New York Comic Con this year, we talked a bit about um, Karen Berger, and that uh, I believe you were yep. either having dinner with her, or you were getting to meet her. I, I forget yeah. the, con- the context, but I know that you were very excited by that, and who wouldn't be? Yeah. And and I wanted to sort of leave that avenue open to discuss because I don't know that I saw you after that that at the show about how the how the evening went or, or how oh. it was the experience but but obviously for those that don't I'm sure most of our listeners know this but Karen Berger is certainly one of the most influential uh people in comics in the last 30 years she was yeah. the driving force behind the great vertigo run that we all still to this day refer to and and so many great great all-time great stories came out of and 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 then Karen now is uh, has Burger Books at Dark Horse, where she's she's doing it. It's a bit of a different vibe, but she's she's still curating phenomenal ideas. And 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 your book Guardia was yep. uh, was one of the first. It, yeah, I may have been, I don't remember. If it, was yeah. it was one of the first Burger Books, like the the titular Burger Books. And and so uh, how was the experience of, of of meeting her? And 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 how did it come to be that that you two ended up working for Guardia? Because I know in Vertigo, like Karen yeah. was very much like a 
uh, not a star maker, but she she was very had a heavy handed like I want to work with these people. Was is it like that at at Burger Books? Did she sort of approach you all about doing a book, or how did that come about? Uh, she's incredible. I mean, talk about like uh, the it, uh, there there is it, on my list of superstar editors to work for. There's only one name, and it is Karen Berger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be able to do this work with her to do LaGuardia, which came out as a four issue miniseries that was then collected into a trade. And now the hardcover just came out, or I guess uh, is the most recent thing that came out. Um, it has been extraordinary. That dinner was exceptional. Um, and it felt like the kind of salon where, you know, you're drinking wine and you're having these incredible conversations with people at the top of their game, you know, around this little dinner table. And so it feels intimate and enriching and exciting. And also just like you're hanging out with friends that, you know, are way cooler than your friends in real life, maybe like it just (laughs) had that vibe, you know? Uh, And so it was extraordinary. And what an honor to be able to go to have this admiration for this woman who created or redefined graphic novels, right? Like gave us modern graphic novels. The Neil Gaiman Sandman uh, was her creation. Like all of the, not all of the Alan Moore stuff, but like the seminal stuff. She she was so instrumental in in turning graphic novels and comics into a more adult medium, something that like that we could love that could tell real stories. Uh, and so. She uh, was, as you said, curating burger books. So she has an imprint at Dark Horse and cherry picks what projects she wants to work on and approached Nettie about doing a a comic book for her to do this graphic novel. And uh, and Nettie brought me with her. Uh, And so I remember getting uh an email from her I was standing in line at a Chipotle I was very sad like uh for some reason and I get this email from Karen Berger that knocked my socks off that just changed my life I mean it was it was like God had reached had come down and written me an email and was like hey do you want to work together yes I would love that um and so it was uh an extraordinary experience she's wonderful uh vivacious and intelligent and just so good at what she does and so kind um, and it's a real joy. And so the the amount of like the honor I felt at being able to go out out of the gate for Burger Books and win a Hugo Award, win an Eisner Award, you know, for this, you know, for this new startup by this woman was just, I don't know, an extraordinary feeling. And so yeah, nothing but good things to say. She's she's incredible. I live a charmed life. When did it strike you? in the creative process that this is a very important piece of work. And I think I knew. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, no, uh, answer that. And then I'll get to a second part. Okay. Yeah. I think right away, I, you know, Nettie is a creative tour de force. She's uh, an incredible writer and a virtuoso at, she does a lot of different mediums, right? She can write screenplays. She can do short stories. She can do comic books. Uh, and from the outset, we wanted to, base um not base on but but sort of stand on the shoulders of will eisner's a contract with god oh boy um yeah and so so that's an immigrant story um if you guys don't know it's there are four standalone stories that center on a tenement house in new york it's not what we would think of today as like a sequential story you know uh it was sort of not spot illustrations but like it was very dark stuff um 
and it was Will Eisner. It dealt with things like suicide and and sexual assault and violence and alcohol and all sorts of really dark stuff. Yeah. Um, and and so we knew that we weren't going to do a story like that, but we were going to do a story like that. And so LaGuardia takes place in part around not a tenement house, but an apartment complex, like a uh, a house that houses aliens in a world that's divided on, you know, aliens can't come here, aliens shouldn't live here, um, called the New Hope Apartments, which are uh, sort of a, a melting pot, a meeting place uh, for aliens and humans and a place where we center our story. And so from the outset, I knew it was going to be a big deal for me personally, but also, I mean, at the time that we were writing it, you know, Trump had just taken office or, you know, the the travel ban had gone into effect and, you know, there were talks of shithole countries and things like that. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Oh, you could. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> but like doing this allegory, thank you for knowing yeah. that word, Vince, uh, about alien immigration at this moment in our history and to be able to talk about the value of different perspectives, what it means to to ask the question, what does it mean to be alien? What does it mean to be other uh, and to explore chosen family and the diversity of life and creation? Uh, we knew immediately it was going to be big. Um, and yeah. So you've answered my second part already because <laughs> okay. I was going, I was going to follow it with when you did realize that it was a very um, important work. Did you seize up? Was there a moment oh. when you when you clenched and you're like, "Oh, this is this could be a defining moment for me," and 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 it was. But and and here's where I'm going with this. You obviously didn't, because at yeah. least at least not to my eyes, because yeah. in the in the the visuals for this book. You have some like Olympic level visual dexterity going on here. Thank you. You do because not only did you um, visualize exceedingly well the quote human members of the cast, and then you had the 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 more um, uh, out there, of course, alien members. But you the the environment in this thing is wonderful, like the the city streets and the yeah. the the buildings, how they interconnect and 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 they just seem to be like an organic eruption on the surface of this planet. And then you have technology, and you have plant like the little sea cucumber dudes. Yeah, there, I love there, them. There's so much uh, visually, and not, not. I mean, the story is very, um, it's very weighty. But I think yeah. you complement the import of the narrative with the diversity of your uh, visuals. It's just a complete package, and I love it. You do wonderfully. Thank you so much. Right. Yeah, it was so funny. The uh, uh, so many of the aliens uh, were based on things in the real world. There are these little guys. If you're at home or near a computer and you want to Google sea sheep, uh, there are these adorable little sea cucumber guys that actually exist, and they're so freaking cute uh, yeah. that you know we just basically gave luggage in a spaceship to and had them like arriving on Earth. Um, but you know. Uh, a lot of the alien species are, we've got like a, basically a talking, um, 
uh, octopus or something. And so she's got kind of a ventilator collar so that she can, you know, I imagine that her pl- her home planet is liquid, is some sort of like water. Uh, and then there's all the things about like um, octopi being aliens, like being intelligent, you know, very a different kind of intelligence, but very like high functioning, intelligent creatures. And so I wanted to play with that a little bit, but we had so much fun. You know what I think would be great? Hmm. Um, do you guys listen to audio productions of graphic novels? Did you listen to like the Sandman one or uh, what was the one? One on Lock and Key no. that they did like through Audible. Oh, they're so good. Um, I had a fan who was visual impaired come up to my table. This, As you might imagine, I work visually. This isn't a thing that often happens with me. And we had this wonderful discussion about audio productions, about, you know, like listening to books and how you can narrate, you know, a chapter book or a novel, but they're, you know, that they loved comic books. And and now that you have Sandman, uh, you know, and like, and they're huge productions. The Sandman had, I mean, Neil Gaiman was narrating it, but you had James McAvoy playing Morpheus, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Andy Serkis, the guy that did the Gollum voice and was in Andor played Matthew the Raven. Like you had these huge names uh, in this huge production with like sound effects and sparkle and creaking doors, you know, and, and, uh, and they did the same thing with lock and key. Um, and these are available through probably get them at your library, but like you can also listen to them through audible if you guys are, are into that thing. And so, and so it became this, other way this sort of reinterpretation of that world and i think that laguardia would lend itself beautifully to this kind of an adaptation because we have so many aliens and because like uh sal cipriano who did the letters did such a good job giving each of our characters individual voices like the color and shape of their balloons or Mm -hmm. you know the shape of the font and i think you could as a voice actor really explore that i think you could have a lot of fun sort of bringing these alien species to life in this sort of science fiction universe. So it's an idea I've been uh, playing around with. And It's a very I cool idea. I'm thinking, can you imagine the the audio envelope just for the, the background stuff of the city, right? right? With teeming with aliens or, or and- have aliens present where you would have your standard city, you know, sounds – honks and and you know yes. the usual stuff but then you would have these other sounds that don't quite fit in yes that'd be so and cool and you can have sort of like you know you can have arguments on the streets yep. of new york because so it's called laguardia uh because aliens have been discovered right ha- exist in the world and now are visiting earth and there are 10 airports on earth uh that allow uh intergalactic uh, traffic where spaceships can land. One is in Lagos, Nigeria. One is in New York City. The one in New York is the LaGuardia Airport, which is still the running joke is it's still under construction. <laughs> and so yeah. imagine trying to navigate LaGuardia, but also now there's like a bunch of slug aliens and vapors and little guys and, you know, sort of just sort of bats wearing uh, holiday shirts and like all of this sort of crazy alien stuff uh, in what is basically, you know, just your standard uh, LaGuardia and what the city would be like with a bunch of uh, aliens running around it. I think it is, it is everything that a comic book should be. So true that. Yep. <laughs> Getting back yeah, to um, 
Dragon Con real quick. Uh, as somebody who's attended, do you think it's a convention the three of us should attend? Yes, but don't go this year because I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be at uh, the uh, Galaxy Con in Austin, Texas over that same weekend this year. Um, but uh, but yes, it is an incredible show. It's mostly a show for cosplayers. Like, it's a big cosplay show. Mm-hmm. Um but it is an extraordinary time. There's a there's parties every night. Um, I, if that's your thing, I go to bed at a respectful hour because <laughs> I am an old. Um, but there's just there's a ton of stuff to there. It's great for people watching. I have a lot of friends in the in the cosplay community, so they love it. Um, and so I get kind of exposed to this other part of the world that I don't normally see. Um, and uh but it is a it is a wonderful show it is a wonderful show um now have you seen anything out of the corner of your eye that you'd care to relate um because we keep hearing that it's uh it's a a very um earthy um show (laughs) that's all i'm gonna say good that was good earthy yes like um the debauchery is a little, well, substantially mm. higher. Carnal, than, you mean? More like yeah, carnal. Yeah, carnal. Right. Yes. yes, carnal. Carnal. Um, yeah, sure. I, yeah. I, uh, I will say that it is that and uh, that the, it doesn't, it's a show that doesn't sleep. So like oh, weird, excellent. weird shit happens in the middle of the night and there's constantly dance floor parties and you know, I I don't know that I've ever seen a hobbit doing that with an elf, but I did <laughs> this time, and so like, you know, just live your truth. Nice. For sure. I think, so if, if I, I think have you ever cosplayed, like back, is there ever a point in your life where you were into the cosplay? Uh, no. I mean Halloween, right? But that's it. And sure, so, sure. Uh, yeah, I've never. My I'm very crafty. I do a lot of things. I do sculpture. I do art. I do a mm-hmm. lot of like making things, but I don't whatever the sewing gene is or whatever the sort of like that's not one of the ones that i have nice. so i've never i've never gone in so what what you're saying is if i brought my magic cards no yeah. matter what direction i'm coming from there would be a, a person to play I, with me at any hour absolutely. of the night absolutely <laughs> i so i had some really wonderful uh midnight exchanges i uh pressed the wrong button i was getting home late from something uh, and I pressed the wrong button. I got off on the wrong floor, and it was like I was in the Twilight Zone. To the to the left of me were a bunch of people playing the largest game of Midnight Werewolf or, uh, you know, One Night Werewolf. Do you guys know that game? Yes. Or like, yes. Okay, so, but it's like 35, 40 people in a wow. room playing this as if it's like, um, as if it's like magic chairs or something. And then at the other end, there was a simulator game for flying basically the Starship Enterprise, but I don't think they could call it that. And so you're flying a starship and it's somebody's the captain and somebody's the helm and it's all these computer screens and it's 12 people in the room, but they're working together and they're trying to like fight the team, either the team in the other room, which is also flying a spaceship or just like doing a mission together. But it's basically, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Star Trek guy. And so like, I love it. And so I was like, I, I, there I am exhausted, been working all day, went out at night, come home. And it's just like, I'm in a spaceship now. And it was crazy. And I'm watching these people 
who some of them are strangers, some of them are together, and they're like telling each other what to do and helm to the right and thrusters and photon tor- torpedoes. And, and there's a big screen in the middle of the room, like a big movie screen. And so you can see as if you were on the starship. And so like you can see the bombs going off and stuff. And it was like magic. It was a magic moment. And, you know, and I'm talking to these people, it's got to be, you know, one in the morning or something, and they're just going to do this all night. And they were like, yeah, you want to do this? And boys, when I tell you I wanted to do that, but (laughs) tomorrow Tana was like, you need to go to bed right now. You can't be flying a starship. Oh, so it's By the way, as you're speaking about this, David is on Expedia order it buying the plane. (laughs) Oh my God, I can finally give my inner Kirk. It's it's the Botany Bay. It was cool as hell, man. It was cool, but like, so you just, you wander around and you find these things, right? Like, and the people are so chill. The people that are there are really there to have a good time and Mm -hmm. to create community and to kind of just get together. This is like their big time being together with all their nerd friends. Um, And uh, yeah, and it was great. I I walked into my hotel lobby uh, after the show one day and there were all these people. They had set up a bar. So there was like a bottle of gin, a bottle of whiskey, a bottle of vodka and all these mixers and stuff. And they can clearly see me and I can see them see me. And I was like, "Uh oh, so I pretend to take one of the bottles. I was like, I'm just going to put this here. Right. Like that was it. And I put it back on the table and they're like, no, do you want a drink? Come join us. Would you like us to make you a drink? And I'm like, no, no, that's okay. Actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would love a drink right now, and so I was like, "Hey guys, so that you made me a gin and tonic." We talked about their day, what they're into, all that stuff. I was like, "Come by my table. I've got these Dungeons and Dragons maps. I'll just give you one or so. Like, come by and I'll give you something tomorrow." I'm up in Artist Alley, and all of them came by. It was great, and so we got to like, I was in the middle of telling somebody at my table how like funny this and sweet this moment was how like community like it just felt really nice like a bunch of strangers were just really nice to me and that's always you know has an impact uh but i was telling these people that were at my table about how this had happened last night and what you know what a nice moment it was while one of the guys behind them i thought he was waiting to get a book or to get a signature or something and he was like so i was one of those guys. And I was like, Oh my God, get out of here. And so it was this very genuine moment of like me praising this thing in front of the guy that did it, uh, without me knowing that that was the guy that did it. It was a very sweet moment. See, I, lots of good things about that show. I have to be totally honest. I gave you a compliment early on in this little recording and you didn't even know, but I'm going to tell you what I said, because usually, I mean, you've listened to the show, right? Whenever we have, right. Whenever we have someone on, I I like to nudge things into the realm of comics, right? And um, if these guys get start talking about the, the the liquor or something or the football or the wrestling, like kill me <laughs> if it goes into wrestling. Um, I get a little bit of the agitation. I start trying to push back into the comics, but with you, I didn't care because you were talking yeah. you were talking about the alcohol and stuff, and I'm just like let her go let her talk about whatever she wants and i said i typed it on the skype as you were speaking i said i think you just invented a whole new inter- interview style for us <laughs> that and i'm gonna i said you're a fucking genius oh and yay. I, and, and, and now, i love you for doing that among other things I just put ice cubes in what is left of my LaFrog. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to see what it's like uh, on the rocks now. 
Awesome. Because, you know, if, if anybody, those that tune into Ooh. the show. <laughs> oh, that is the edge of the knife, baby. That sharpens right up. Love it. What a way to describe something that's probably tastes like absolute, like battery no, acid. It's, but you're finding no, it's joy delicious. in it. It's delicious. It's, it's the delicious. It's delicious. caramel notes, sugars. Now, see, oh, I like, God. where do you stand on Malbec? Peaty, little boggy still. Uh, it's got that funk. Like, sometimes you just yeah. want it to have a little bit, you know, have a little stink on it. And this does. But now, on the rocks, baby, all night. Well, I got a lot of stink on me. The frog. Um, see, let me tell you something. The you frog, 10-year sherry oak finish. <laughs> this is you. sounding much like I think what a Scientology pitch would sound like. Like, <laughs> it's where you take whatever reality and you shape it into these really articulate, descriptive words to make things that probably <laughs> would be horrific. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Like, oh, like, oh, it's got a little funk on it. It's peaty. <laughs> like, let me tell you something about peaty. A few years ago, because as as you may or may not remember, we we often uh-huh. do a live in person recording the night before New York Comic Con because mm-hmm. my booze are here staying at my place, so we do that. So yep. one of the years, and I don't remember Dap if if it was a gift or you brought it or whatever. No, it was but, a gift. It was a gift. Okay, yeah, it sent to you. Yep. Yeah. So someone sent us a bottle of uh, it was was it. Scotch was that what it was? Yes, it was, yeah. it was. It was scotch. I still have the bottle downstairs. Okay. What scotch was it? Oh, I'll I'll remember. Well, whatever it was, whatever it was, we pour it. And I'm like, okay, you know, the three of us together. It was a gift. Let's we'll, I'll drink some. So we, we poured a glass for each. I took a sip of this. It was literally as <laughs> though someone decided <laughs> to take a glass of gin. And then they went and they found lawnmower clippings. And then they took some of the of the burnt wood from my fireplace, put it into a blender, <laughs> yep. and then put it on ice and served it to me. It tasted like charcoal wood. Yeah, it, it may have been, sounds it may good have been to me. The I'll, I'll, it may I'll have been. And Jeff's like, "Oh, it's this peaty," and I'm like, "Is that you?" Yeah. Got, like, yep. so that we. Yep. This is when you drink whiskey, you make up words to describe bad tastes. Like peaty is. <laughs> Code for it tastes like firewood, but you're like it's to convince yourself it's it's a delightful thing instead of a horrible. Thing. I I don't it think is. you're down with the truth, Jason. I really don't. <laughs> I think I am, God, dude. please I think let I it am. be LaFrog. Please let that thing that you tasted be the thing that I am tasting tonight and praising. Oh, I, I love it, it. I think it was some other oh, yeah, very Scottish name. So we we were we were in, we were in oh, Chicago. Oh, so good though. When we had the ma- what was it the Malort the Malort stuff. Oh, oh Malort. baby. Of course, you have to be in Chicago. Yeah, Malort is a it. Chicago drink. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great, and but uh, not many people agree with me. That's right. Uh, the tagline for Malort is "These pants won't shit themselves." <laughs> nice, <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Make, make enemy. You've never uh, fought your best friend. Oh God, we. I have a friend in Chicago who sent me a bottle of Malort for my birthday. I'd never had it, and she was like, "You're gonna love it or hate it." She basically didn't set me up at all for this. And so I didn't know. I was like, oh, here's this nice gift from a friend. And so uh-huh. I have friends over. We all take a little taster, you know, so we cheers. We're smelling it. It's a little floral smelling. Like, it doesn't really have much of a smell. Knock it back. If that wasn't the most pungent, bitter, <laughs> sour, kick in the face, it, it, bur- like it, it evaporates, but it leaves behind a little, like, Snail explosions, like it's the worst flavor yeah. you've ever had in your whole life. I kind of like uh, it, like a lot, and it makes your whole body burn for yep. a second. And I couldn't get the taste out of my mouth. And 
10 minutes later, I was like, no, I got to try it again. Like, I got, you got to, I got to try it again. Like, I just, (laughs) holy Malort. It's so bad. It's good. Oh, but yeah, Malort's up there. Yeah, I really enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you know, one of my favorite things about Malort is, is the, um, is that, is the YouTube clip where, where they're they're doing the, uh, the ad for it, the commercial. And, and the yes. guy's behind the bar, and and he's got to yes. swig it every time, and it's just yep. it just it spirals he's, down. Yeah, he gets super hammered, and he just starts swearing a lot, and like it's it's so Sweating, painful to watch him getting yeah. dressed. Oh my god! The only thing I was when I tasted Malort, the only thing I wasn't sure of was whether I was on the sixth or seventh level of hell. Oh I wasn't sure god. which. It's so bad. We had I had a uh, so the bottle that my friend sent me is like a seven fifty. It's a huge bottle, and I was like, oh my god, we're never going to finish this. Uh, so I took some of my like markers that write on anything and I had my friends sign it. So I made like a little mark on my birthday of like how much we had drank. And then as a prize or as a, uh, I don't know, not a prize as a way to make sure no one would ever visit me again. When people would come over, I would have them drink it and I'd mark where the line was, you know, every time it went down lower and lower and people could sign it. And Sometimes I'd tell them what to expect. Sometimes I wouldn't. Like, I'd let them go in with just, you know, like, no expectations and see what they thought of it. Uh, But so I have this bottle that's now maybe half full, maybe two-thirds. Like, it's, it's, and it's got a bunch of signatures and notes from my friends on it. And it's become this object. uh, And I really enjoy having it. But it is, it is rough. We were playing D&D. And uh, one of my friend's characters died, like, full dead. Failed death saves is descending into the afterworld is dead. Uh, but she didn't want her character to die. And I was a an especially good and generous DM. And so I said, all right, it's going to be a constitution save. But instead of your character doing it, you have to do it. If you can drink this much Malort. <laughs> and she's from Chicago. And she hates Malort. If you can drink this much Malort. It's and crazy. we're all going to watch you. And you don't react. Not a wince, not nothing. Your char- you, your character will come back to life with one hit point. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so like it was a whole thing, man. She was like, okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Okay, okay, okay. Do I really want to do this? Okay, I could do this. And then like glug, 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 <laughs> and we are on tender hooks, man. We are just like she didn't break at all. Nice. And I was like, you pop back up. And as soon as I said that, she like, like, give me something else to drink. We had to time it like 30 seconds on the clock. It was hilarious. Death should oh, be transgressive. God. Oh, my it, God. It's in the definition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feel free, uh, DMs in the audience, to use that. Uh, hey, incorporate some real life constitution saves into your game. While we're on the subject. Um, yeah. Jason and David are probably going to groan. What do you think, if you're aware yeah. at all, with what yeah. um, Wizards is doing to D and D and Magic? Uh, uh, so I I'm excited uh, that there's going to be all this. So I love it. Um, I I like that they're trying to breathe new life into these characters, and especially that they're going to like reinvent or sort of like. Fix the ranger. The ranger is kind of my favorite character. Uh, I could talk about Dungeons Dragons forever. Um, But I I really like it, especially because they're making an effort right now to onboard kids and young people. It's such a complicated game that it's really hard to onboard younger players. And I see them making an effort to make it more accessible. 
And I love that. So of all the things they're doing, and I can't speak to the magic part of it because okay. like that's not in my sphere. Uh, but what do you think? What's uh, yeah? I think you're. Your ex- you're ex- I love the angle from which you're approaching it. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm approaching it from more on the uh, the uh, business side of things with this whole one D and D thing that is going to microtransaction you to death. And Ooh. the sixth edition will be digital, and it will be this Ooh. this one D and D app that charges you for. Uh, cosmetic things, uh, you know, visual things uh, tagged to your character. Basically, I have I have no um, opinion. Like I love D anD D, and this is not an opinion yeah. on the the mechanics of the game per se. Yeah. But it's more of a commentary on how Wizards is running things, which is huh. not they they want to kill the open game license. So that fifth edition uh, people that produce. Um, third-party product will be getting um, a much bigger chunk of their uh, revenue have to bounce it back to to, to wizards. Um, oh, I don't see. I don't know any of this. Yeah, yeah it's, I just go on this. YouTube. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, at, at its core, I've been playing D&D since, oh, geez, um, the blue – before you were born. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your favorite edition? Um, AD and D, the first AD and D, the okay. red, the red book. Yeah, yeah, the red book. All yes. right, classic. Yeah, well, Very I mean, it, I came to it. It worked. I came right? to it late. I came to it in uh in five e. But oh, this is the thing. I mean, um, for a little while, uh, last year during COVID, when did we start doing this? Uh, Will Sliney and Emma Vicelli and Sean Isaacs, uh, who are all comic book artists. And I got together on a Twitch stream and did Dungeons and Dragons and drawing um, where they drew their characters while I dungeon mastered a game for them. And we had so much freaking fun doing this. Uh, And so we did like a little, you know, session zero test run where uh, we played a little bit and they drew and we experimented with like different, you know, cameras you know so that we could see what everybody was drawing and sean works digitally and so does will uh and actually so does emma but like the um but we would switch between the artists drawing their different characters and doing color and so we'd be talking about we'd be playing the game they'd be rolling they'd be drawing you know will was playing in orc uh, full orc sorcerer, uh, like a fire mage, uh, who was so much fun. And Sean uh, uh, was playing a Aracorcoran bard. So he had this like gorgeous um, lute and these big feathers. Uh, and he was a kestrel, which I didn't know what those were. And they're these beautiful oh, yeah. hawk birds. Yeah. And they have this like wonderful coloration. And Emma was playing an elf ranger uh, named Telegard, who was so sweet and earnest. And she was f- so deadly. Like, she just killed everybody. And it was so much fun. And uh, and then, you know, Will got his um, animated show going over in Ireland. And it, things just kind of got sidelined for a while. Like, all life got busy. But one of the things I would love to get back to uh, in 2023 would be, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and drawing and getting together and playing this game that I love uh, with artists who are like really good at drawing and do that, you know, and sort of I think that would be a ton of fun. So 
I we'll concur. See. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, how about next yeah. con? We we well, do you enjoy oh, hell yeah. dungeon mastering? I do enjoy dun- I enjoy all aspects of the game. So okay. I enjoy being a player and I really enjoy dungeon mastering as well. I do. Uh there is I don't know. I think it plays to my strengths really well. I like listening to people sort of actively listening and responding to what's happening and like making sure everybody's having a good time and storytelling and I just love the collaborative part of it. It's yes. so much fun. Dreams are, dreams are made of this. I would love to sit down on one of your games. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We should do it, man. We should uh, We should do it. But I'm boring. I'll, I always play a draw. <laughs> I mean... Hey, that's not boring. Yeah. Do you change up your class? Or are you um, always like a drow fighter or a ranger? Yeah, a ranger usually. I mean, yeah. you, you, can, you can take... The uh, the boy out of the Forgotten Realms, but you can't take the Forgotten Realms out of the boy. So, <laughs> I love yes, it. yeah. I have still to this day never played Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, it's a wonderful experience. Depending on the quality of your DM, a, a, right. a, a great yeah. DM can make your life yeah. sing. Um, right. A mediocre and or boring one could just totally put you out the game forever. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, here you talk uh, about the the art vibe with it reminded me of that uh, you guys remember tom fowler did that kickstarter of uh of that yes. D because he was yeah. such a huge is such a huge D nerd I, uh Tana, i don't know if you know about that but tom fowler yeah. uh, another friend of the show he for, he was just doing these sketches i think he was either doing them on youtube or instagram or maybe both but he was just doing his own drawings uh, warm-up sketches of of D uh creatures and whatnot for a long time yeah. and then he Put them all together in an art book I backed years ago. Um, I mean, it's probably, I mean, time flies. I'm sure it was like at least four or five years ago. It was pre-pandemic, so. But, yeah, uh, yeah but made me think of that. Man. Yeah, I love it. It was so much fun. And, like, uh, it was it was just delightful to get to play with Sean and Will and Emma. And, like, we had this really good vibe. Like, every once in a while you get a group together and it's just, like, you sort of sing, right? Like, we were just singing together. And I would tell you guys that you could go watch these episodes on Twitch, but uh, Twitch was hacked or something a year or so ago. And so all of the archived episodes were lost or something, like, oh, everything... Bummer. Yeah, and so uh, so you could have seen us in our earnest. Uh, Will Isaacs lives in South Africa, and so his internet connection was always a little spotty. So, like, you know, what is a podcast without audio issues some of yeah. the time? And, True. And so it was us and I know trying Slani's to navigate Irish, right? that. I don't yes. Know yeah. Irish, yeah. And yep. And Emma was in uh, England somewhere, uh, not London, but somewhere somewhere near there so we were all in these different time zones and mm-hmm. uh and having fun and and uh will's very techy and so he was getting uh D beyond so that you could like see the dice rolls on the screen it was very fun <laughs> yeah. uh it's very exciting that's stuff. hardcore and uh, yeah and uh and it was a lot of fun for me and i know but but so much of the game it's such a big universe and there's so much to know before you can even start playing that I think any effort made to like streamline it is always a good move, you know. Right, right. And I think if you have an impatient party, um, that could turn things very sour. Like if you have a bunch of guys that just want to get in there and start killing things, that's gonna their their expectations are probably not going to be met because you have a story, you have an idea yeah. in your in your yep. head, and you you know the realm and you know what is. Um, 
nestled within this thing, the surprises, yep. right? And they just yep. want to get into the dungeon and just start beating the shit out of things. And yep. it's like, that's yep. really not the point, guys. You know, yep. like, just relinquish. If, Lean back into the story. <laughs> yep. And if, you know, if you want to play this stack of hit points against that stack of hit points, like, <sighs> that can be fun for people, you know? Like, so, so okay, but... Uh, but I love the creativity yes. of the game. I love the collaboration. I love it when people do things that are unexpected that, you know, me as the DM, I have an idea of how this might go uh, and, you know, what the sort of stakes are, right, uh, if, for the choices that my players make. And uh, But I love it when they just come out of left field or yes. they try something or there's shenanigans or, you know, and they just... And then the the other part of it, the game part of it, is that you can come up with the best plan in the world, but the dice and luck are going to decide whether or not anything works, right? Like that's, yes. that's the thing you can't count on. And, uh, and that makes it so much fun. So. And and I've seen the, the inverse um, come true where um, a DM will sit down with this uh, Machiavellian plan for all of these yeah. characters and when they don't proceed on his little dotted line that he has conceived, he, he, you know, he or she, they feel some kind yep. of way and start to throw things at the party yep. that isn't in, in tandem with the concept or the world, right? Yep. Just, just yep. out of sheer, um, frustration or, or arrogance that, that how yep. dare you go against my blueprint. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a wonderful game. Um, it is creation, right? It, the, the same things go down in a in an average game of D and D as as a brainstorming session in the creation of sequential art or or yep. or a novel, right? So it's yeah, it, it's all just making shit. Yeah, it's character arcs, yeah. it's character development, it's creativity, it's fun, it's all of this stuff, and Love it. Uh, and you get to just you know play with your friends, have this game of imagination where you get to just play with your friends, and I love it. I do. Oh, look at that. oh, you guys. Look at us, you guys. <laughs> yes. We did it. So, have it. So we did it. <laughs> we so you, did it. World's <laughs> best cup of coffee. That's <laughs> it. So you, you know, you, like you said, 2000, uh, 2022 was a, was a shite year for you. Uh, oh, it was bad. And, and yeah. that's part of the, you know, we're, we're, we're helping the, uh, the karmic ringing in the new year, which is going to be badass for you. It's going to be Liddy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and aside from, from, from joining us for a chat, uh, what else about 2023 is like is is going to be great? I mean, I know we we know you're working on something. Um, yep. Space, uh, space cat. Yep. The space cat gets finished this year. Uh, okay. As soon as I can finish it, uh, which you know, stay tuned. Um, and then uh, how many pages get... is, is space cat going to be? Uh that that is confidential information. Oh, okay. And, yeah, yeah, I can't. Okay. Those have to are kill you. Great secret. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would love to tell you, but uh, but I'd have to kill you. Okay. Uh, but it is an all ages graphic novel. So this is it's very exciting for me because it represents a step in in a new direction in my career. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of bridging the gap between mainstream comics. Uh, you know, I got my start in indie comics. We talked a little bit about Duck, or at least touched on it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and this is like, 
you know, a proper book market. I'll get to all of even my Marvel stuff was rated T for teen. So I can't share any of it with like the youngest people in my life or like, you know, kids. And I love seeing kids get excited about reading and about books. And one of the things that I'm focusing on in the Space Cat is making sure that even if you can't read uh, your child, I, you know, you're a child, uh, you can follow the story and know exactly what's going on and that, you know, and, and have it be an enriching and exciting experience for you. Um, and, and I think I'm doing that. And so uh, I would love to, I think when Space Cat comes out, I've done some talks and things at schools and libraries, and I would like to do more of that in 2023. I find it very enriching. Um, uh, and so maybe working with kids a little bit more. I'm doing a lot more comic book conventions this year. I'm looking at my comic convention schedule, and I think I'll be doing more shows and big shows, of course, but... I'm even looking at like some smaller shows. There are little pockets of fans um, in like the Midwest and, and at not tiny shows, but at little sort of places that I've never been. Um, oh, I need to see. Have you guys, you guys have done Heroes Con. You do it every year, don't you? It is. It is our favorite con. Yeah. Yep. yep. I've never done it. And so I'm going <sighs> to see to. if. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can do Heroes Con this year. Oh, you need uh, to. Excellent. We, we tear it up. We hold court. It's, that's our spot. And then, and then, and then we have right? to go to the new diner. You, you, oh. you can help us break in the new, the new midnight that's, diner. That would be fantastic. Let's do that. So, uh, so that's on my list. Um, and to just sort of, you know, give, practice gratitude and, and be present for the people in my life, you know. My plan. Interesting. Nice. What what can we what so page okay, page counts for bulletin apparently. But we can we can talk about uh about Space Kid a bit, right? Like I mean oh, we know it's sure. about Periwinkle, the bat mm. like a cat, right? He's yeah. he's he's a super cat and he's fighting aliens, right? Like we know that much, right? <laughs> he is uh so Periwinkle is Nettie Korafor's real life cat, uh who has his own Instagram and Twitter and whatever. He's a blue eyed uh oriental short hair with the biggest personality on the like, planet. Like and, Lion Cat from Saga for those yes. that are trying to pick up. Yes. yes. Uh, like Lion Cat from Saga. Um, and uh, and he is an inventor and he uh, makes a spaceship and he flies in outer space. And, our, uh, and the story is about uh, those themes, again, of what it means to have a family, to be an other but be accepted, what it is to be alien. Um, and it's got a lot of animals sort of teaming up to protect Earth from eventually an alien invasion that comes down and uh, a sort of indifferent cat that really only cares about his, you know, people and then learns to care about other other people, right? Like learns to care about his friends, learns to expand his definition of family um, and what it means to have a home, not just a home in Chicago or in Nigeria. Those are two locations, but also the planet Earth and to sort of protect and defend it. And uh, it's pretty wholesome and uh, and very fun. And uh, I get to do I get to drop in all these little Easter eggs um, uh, throughout it that, you know, because Nettie and I have worked together for so long. And also I've been drawing comics for so long that I've got uh, a lot of little tiny Easter eggs that I like uh, to put in books. And so it's been yeah, it's been great. And uh, and it's so close to being done. It is so close to being done. But it just isn't yet, and so. <laughs> Does it have a, a? Is there a? Uh, is there a, an announced release date, or is that still nebulous? 
Uh, it's still nebulous. Okay. It will depend. Yeah, it will depend. So we'll see. Ugh. So I think I read when it was when you all announced it that it was like 2024, and I'm like, dang, I'm like it's a long mm-hmm. time. Okay, it was a long time. We'll see. Uh, see now. Listen, listen. At, artistic excellence like yours, it takes a while. You got to, you got to let it easy. You got, you, you want to be encumbered. You got to back up. You know, perfectly. It isn't. It isn't. You know, it's. It, you have to in order to do work. You have to have a house to work from, right? Like you can't be Facts. homeless and work, Facts. right? You yeah. can't have your entire life fall apart. Yes. And so there were things, you know, moving from the great state of Florida, she said sarcastically, to Massachusetts <laughs> takes time right like there is just there are these huge craters that happened in my life that that you know i could not have seen coming and so but we're here we're close upswing though this is it this is the this is the start of the trend this is the this is the year of tana this is it this is gonna be and what a way to start the year you guys what a way to start the year well i mean your year just started (laughs) off with jason dropping a listen on you so you could either consider yourself blessed or cursed. So I don't Many know. Blessings, like. Odin's blessings, right? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, come on, listen. Goodness. So do you? Do you? Are you? Do you still read comics? Because, and I know that may sound like a weird question, but I can't. And it always bumps us out. Like I would say, the majority of yeah. of of creators that we have on are like, nah, I just, I just don't read many comics anymore. And I'm always yep. like, what? Like that's yep. crazy to me. Like what? Like because that's like presumably you do this because you love comics, and then you. But right? so I. But I don't know the answer to this. Like. You may be like, yeah, I don't read much anymore either, but I'm just curious if you read or not. I absolutely read comics. I cool. love comics. Um, right, this this year, I uh, because of what I'm doing, I revisited Black Sad, um, which yes, is beautiful. I... Very different, yeah, very different vibe and very different cat than the one that I'm making, but also <laughs> very anthropomorphized, you know, animals as, you know as characters in a book and and it's just worth it to read through anyway just absolutely gorgeous uh but i will say let me give a little plug to my friend sarah uh have you guys read squire uh it is a graphic novel that was illustrated by sarah alfagi and written by nadia shamas um who published this it came out through harper collins um i think and in imprint of them but it's a long-form graphic novel it's called squire and uh, it just won a Harvey Award. It's so good, you guys. It is yeah. so beautiful and so good. Uh, and I've got that on my bedside table. Um, and so I read that. And, you know, and the story is wonderful, but the art is also extraordinary. Oh, and amazing. yeah, there is just, there's a quality of Sarah's lines that, that just do it for me, right? Like I, I've always been, I envy this sort of, not minimalist, but like she does a lot with a little and it's so beautiful mm-hmm. um and she's just such a quality human being in general and so uh so that's what i would give a shout out to uh, that's great i mean i i i i create a um a basically a compilation list of all the the best of so like any anyone that does a be- any site that does a best of list for the year that i that i think is like credible you know i mean it's it's, it's yeah. either a site that that's got some gravitas like a like a tcj or or it's just or the list i think is you know diverse and 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 well written i i do this compilation list for our people so i because i want people to vote for our our work you know the 11 o'clockers and so i keep i have a google sheet that 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 basically has all the basically anyone that gets any any book that gets nominated so we're up to i think there's over 300 books now that that have been at least nice but but squire is is and then what i end up doing is is 
the books that get repeated nominations that I haven't read, I do a big you know buying spree and then try and read them because I'm like, well, I you know I'm even though we read thousands of comics a year, like we yep. still miss out on some comics. And Squire is one of the there's like a list here I'm looking at of of, of about 15 books, and Squire is one of the books that I haven't read that nice. has been getting a lot of love. So I'm I'm glad to hear you speak on it because I, it was on my list of things to to make sure I I, I check out with the quickness. Yeah, hell yeah, it's uh it's so so good. Uh, and so I highly recommend. And uh, I also one of the things that I think is so fascinating, I, I don't know if we have to wrap this up or if you guys have to go to bed or whatever, but you guys no, were talking good. about uh, focusing on single issues versus collections. And mm-hmm. one of the ways in which your podcast is so... I don't know, so good is that the three, it's not an echo chamber, right? Like you guys don't agree with each other on stuff. No. And I love that. And so, uh, no, they, this they idea, read shit. I think this discussion about single issues versus collections is very, like it, it is a very prescient thing to be talking about right now. Right? Like so many things are collected and the book market versus the comics market is very different. And like what you get out of collecting is can be very different things. Um, and so I find myself gravitating more uh, Vince earmuffs towards books and towards collections, right? Like I, <laughs> and so because I want to read for for many reasons, but I also see the value and the artistry. For me, it's always about the artistry mm-hmm. of single issue comics, right? Like there is something beautiful in how not now they're and how temporary they are. Uh, made to be disposed of not now i mean now we bag and board them and you know and slab them and all that but but you have this kind of throwaway medium that's gorgeous and you can hold it in your hand and you can take it anywhere and it's this singular thing that has great value and then you have this story that's you know all of it's mass produced but is mass produced and is complete and is you know the whole thing sometimes with many different artists and you know and writers um and so it is interesting to hear you guys sort of debate the merits of those things. I find it very gratifying. Mm. If I well, could just and- uh, weigh in before Jason. <laughs> uh, the majority of my comics consumption is in um, collected edition. With What with all the manga mm. and the fanographics that I read. and But uh, I've just taken a, um, a liking to the single issue because it's the carrot on the stick. It keeps me yeah. going back to the the spot every week to to get yeah. that that fix right we i want to get yeah. right with comics every week and um <laughs> you know it's uh, you're right it, i think it is a it's a fascinating discussion and um the the at least for me you know my my tastes fluctuate like crazy <laughs> so so yeah. who knows maybe it, it, so, <laughs> no i mean in terms of what i read not where i read it from i whatever um <laughs> <laughs> But um, so, yeah, I could be opining the merits of, of the, the graphic novel next week. Who knows? It, it but for right now, I like singles. It's it doesn't. It's all it's all the medium that that that, that brings us here. It does it for the most part? It doesn't it doesn't matter how. I consume the story sure. as long as I consume the story. Yeah. If, right. if it me, you know, yeah, if, yeah there, there are times, where, I mean, and, and, you know, I would, yeah. when I was going to school, it would, I would basically like 
sell trade weight. I'd, I'd, I'd buy the single issues, but until like I actually completed a project uh, as a reward, I would like binge five or six issues. Well, if I just waited a few more months, I probably just could have bought the trade and have read for it half the price. Anyway. Yeah. But, right. And, but at least, but, but this way I was also looking at the fact that I was looking at it in a way that I was also supporting the creators, especially yep. if it was an indie book, but yeah. no, it does. It, it's, I, I, said for years because we've had the discussion whether it was you know digital or physical it's, it's content is king it doesn't matter how how i read the story yep. uh, providing you know not 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 going down the piracy right. route but as long as whoever created this story as long as it's as long as i get eyes on it then it, it's it it's all gravy but but no there are and, and not everything there are some stories that don't necessarily for lack of a better term, deserve space on my shelf as a collected yeah. edition. I could just read yeah. a handful of single issues and and be done with it and then pay it forward and, and pass those along to someone else. There are some things that absolutely right. deserve a spot on someone's shelf. Well and, I'm and that's yeah. I'm rolling so deep book. with the with the money, like I don't I don't care about the price. Whatever it is, I'll just pay it. Just give me my give me my damn comics, right? Makes money right. bags over here. Hey, yep. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm from New Jersey. I, I make a lot of money every yeah. year. <laughs> For me, yeah, there's been because I've uh, I've sort of downsized. I'm living in a beautiful little cottage, but it is small and uh, and there isn't a lot of space for my books, and so I find myself having to choose what books live with me mm-hmm. and talk about trying to choose between your babies right like they're and they're you know that they're the art books i i buy comics a lot uh yes for the story but more for the artist that is making them um you know like i love the sarah bikelli stuff and uh and david marquez like the the spider-man stuff i i went heavy into them when i was uh, first entering Marvel and and so you, but you have these stories that I love and these characters that I love, but having to choose what gets to live with me has been very much you know <laughs> it is it is a hard choice man it is a hard choice it is so, and I'm gonna make you make that hard choice right now because uh, I want to hear Tana yeah. Ford's top ten comics yeah. of oh, all yeah. time. Oh my god! Of all time. Oh my god! That's that's a big ass. That's of all freaking time. Jesus. Oh Jesus. Okay. Well, I already (laughs) know. Batwoman elegy is at the top of the list. Oh nice. Look at you. Okay. Yeah, J.H. Williams the third. We've got lesbian Much representation. Yes. Uh, we have artistry that is the finest. We have a story. Yes. Greg Rucka's story is so well told. I remember gasping. I actually made a sound uh, when the reveal. I mean, it's been out for years, right? People should know this. When the reveal, and he had built up to it so beautifully, was uh, you know the the big reveal. Uh, and the way in which J.H. Williams III, so the two sisters were twins and one had died, but she hadn't really died. And she's actually the bad guy. And there's this swirling mirror uh, circular thing. They're on an airplane uh, by like the the two motors, you know, brrr, right? So it's this airplane with these two propellers and it's big action scene. And so they're falling from an airplane or they're fighting on the airplane and one is about to drop the other and you're doing this big reveal and she's like, uh, you know, you did this to me when we were girls. 
And I didn't see it coming like I thought coming, but I gasped at this and uh, just sort of the the gorgeousness, the lushness of that story is resonant. And Rachel Maddow, who I love, wrote the introduction to yeah. uh, the story in the trade paperback. And I was like, oh, my God, Rachel Maddow <laughs> reads comics like it just it, it hit a lot of the, the right notes for me. He so is not of this earth, just for the record. He, oh, my Williams, God. Like, it's it's incredible. His work is the stuff he did with the Corinthian. Now that we have the Sandman show, like his his showing the Corinthian in using the teeth as panels. Uh, yep. I mean, unreal. His yeah. his draftsmanship is unreal. Um, and so, that, so that's one. Yes. Yeah, so that so that's one. Wow. <laughs> but actually, okay. Come on, man. Come on. Throw me a bone. Throw right. me a bone. Uh, the the Sarah Bacelli Miles Morales stuff. Um, oh, there we yes. go. It's Probably. so good. It's so good. The the way, just the realness and the animation in that woman's work is extraordinary. Scarlet Witch um, on the stands this week. Her her, her yeah. return to Marvel. God, I just and you know there are just these and so for me it's touchstone artists right who are, mm-hmm. you know sort of stratospheric for me that I just love like there's that little kid part of me that genuinely mm-hmm. loves what they do. Um, I have a question. You know, this is for you and yeah. Vince. Actually, it's 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 so. I mean, I, I need to say I, I I love art and I love I love collecting it. But like, I'm not an artist myself. So, and I was wondering. So when you when you're vibing on art, like when you're reading a, a comic or, yep. or any any art, it doesn't have to be a comic, but and you see it and you're like, God damn, I love that. It speaks to me. Do you, as an artist, because you like you are capable of making art, do you ever think like does it ever and Vince for you too? Like, do you ever think like. When you look at it, like, oh, I like, do you think you could do that? And you're like, oh, I, I, I know how they're doing it. Or do you just like, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, is it, is it purely like an emotional thing? Or do, do you also immediately con- consider the craft and the process and think like, it's amazing that they do that. And you think like, I, I don't think I could do that or I could, but it's not my style. I'm just wondering like, if you ever think if the craft plays a role in, in it, or it's just purely the emotional like consumption of like, wow, that is gorgeous. God, what a good question. Oh, d- uh, don't humor yeah. him. <laughs> it is a very good question. Do you want to answer it? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I think comparison is the thief of joy, right? Oh, like, nice. look at that. I like that. That's great. Right? Like that's, mm-hmm. and so I think I can wholeheartedly love something, and I think this is something that comes with uh, with you as an artist as you mature. Like I very much have a voice and, and I make art the way I make art, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the older I get, the more it's like, oh, that's definitely a Tana. Like there's just a tonality maybe to the way that I make art. So I can never be the people that I love, right? Mm-hmm. Like I could never be a Sarah Bacelli. I could never be a J.H. Williams III. Um, but I can learn from them. I can see, you know, I can take these things. So... I think exposing yourself, and this is true of writers as well, right? Like the the voice of Ernest Hemingway is very different than that of Sylvia Plath, sure. or you know, yeah. like you're you can be a great writer, an individualistic writer, or uh, or artist, and learn from everybody around you. Sort of absorb their words, their pictures, and just kind of filter it through yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then there's also just being a lifelong learner. Right. Like you want to continue to add skills, especially in a digital age, like you're going to have to figure out how to do procreate and Photoshop and scan things in. And like you you need to like add skills to your repertoire uh, so that you can become a more functional artist. Um, 
but I don't think it makes it, but I don't look at their art and think, God, I wish I could do that. I, I'm just like, wow, I love that this exists. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's a, you're, you're a delight. That's a wonderful answer. I have to say, I, I remember an interview um, Jim Lee gave years ago. Uh, I don't remember who did it. It might have been Suntress. I don't know. It was it was a long time ago, but it stuck with me because, you know, um, and, and putting aside what anyone individually thinks of Jim Lee as an artist or whatever, if it's your vibe or whatever, but, you know, certainly from a, from a, I mean, his 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 import, or at least his reach, is, is I think, mm-hmm. unassailable. And I, it bummed me out because he, whatever the context, I don't remember the context of the question, but he was talking about his style. And he basically said, you know, you get to a point in your career where you feel as though you can't change your style anymore because people expect you to look a certain way. And, 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 and I was, like, gobsmacked by that as a fan of art, thinking, like, that's, like, I would love for you to, to continue to evolve like i would that would excite me i, I don't like yeah. i don't believe what you're saying to be true jim now i mm-hmm. i presume he knows the market and like the commercial side of art far better than i ever will so i'll take him at his word but it just bummed me out i'm like damn i'm like yeah i want to see a world i want to be in the multiverse where jim lee's got the completely different perspective and he's like i don't want what i did with x-men to look like what hush looks like to look like what i'm going to do in 2022 you know so um but it is a dichotomy right because obviously like you said like like there is a like you get to a certain point where you do have a style i mean i i I could i could tell your work in a second right like if i saw saw just a page and it wasn't labeled i'd say oh that's tana you know i can recognize that so it is like it is a balancing act right like in terms of, of 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 wanting to have a distinctive voice but also wanting to always be able to challenge yourself with 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 new things i think you see it a lot with art uh with musicians musical artists right like people who i love it when bands get weird with it right like you you did a thing and fans love it and fans know you for this thing but if you continue to grow and develop as an artist and it takes you down a weird path or an unusual path and you know, and it's new and it's different. Maybe you suck at it, right? Like maybe that's the element of it. To be a beginner is to allow yourself to be bad at something. And we have spent so much time getting good at drawing and to know how to do stuff with color and form and, you know, and how things fit in a sequential art page and how to like do establishing shots and then talking heads. And you have all of this stuff that you know how to do all of these instruments that you can play visually. So to branch out from that, to have Jim Lee or anybody try a new thing, like to play the tuba is going to suck for a while. Like you, (laughs) it might be ugly, right? Like it might be messy and you'll be bad at it and being bad at it is a hard thing to do sometimes. Uh, And then you know, but I th- but I find that that stuff is very exciting. I mean, Picasso is a very flawed artist uh, or a human being, but he went through so many different creative surges in his life. He did pottery. Like, he could have just rested on his laurels, but he kept throwing shit at the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he... And, and and just kept doing these other things and, and sort of listening to that creative furnace. And so I, too, want to live in a universe where Jim Lee just said to hell with it and did the weird thing or did it different or tried yeah. something new, even if it was ugly at first, even if, you know, it wasn't as beloved as his stuff, even if it got different and weird, follow that. I want to see that. You are a creative engine. I want to see where, you know, where your tracks go. Totally agree. I can't add anything to that. 
And I am at the end of my whiskey, guys. Oh, no. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. Oh, boy. You have completely bewitched me. Oh, what have you done? So good. So good. We're going to uh, drink whiskey together and play D&D. Awesome. That's my wish for us. All right. Um, if if nothing further, we can bring this baby home. Yeah, let's just agree that that if if Tana does join us at Heroes next year, we'll let's let's have a let's have a let's let's commit to having a D and D game. Yes, I will play Sweet. my first D&D Oh, game. yeah, hell yeah! Oh my gosh, this is going <laughs> to be so fun. Do it in fun. the uh, in the Western Bar, and and oh, people can all look yeah. if they want. Okay, we gotta. You, you'll have to uh, do something for your patrons as well. There has to be like maybe oh, they sure. decide what you guys are playing, or maybe we'll cosplay as our character. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see Jason. I can't go crotchless at a con. Oh right. my god! Hey, hey everybody! Coming in looking like Legolas. <laughs> Thank the legs for it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us one more time around. We uh, gotta tell you who makes this possible and it's our patrons shimmy on over to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics take a look around see the lay of the land we'd love to have you join the family images audios downloads videos polls you get to chime in on the uh, book of the month and the best the dedicated slack channel Mm -hmm. where we all commune each and every day and talk about everything under the sun. So uh, again, go over to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Join the damn family. In your travels. Um, are we doing I was in your hype man? My bad. No, that's cool. Are, are we doing in your travels? I got in your travels for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, all right. Okay. Now, this is good. This yeah. is good. I, um, ad- admittedly, I am a Rick and Morty neophyte. Uh, because the show, uh, for this old brain, the show moves far too quickly for my brain. And it, it is exhausting for me to sit through an episode. It's just, it, 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 it careens in directions that my brain is not willing to go, at least not willingly. Uh, but I can control the pace when I read a Rick and Morty comic. And that's what I did. I, I read Rick and Morty versus Cthulhu, issues one and two. Now, if there was ever a, a property that would get me into Rick and Morty, it's Lovecraft, right? But um, it's written here by Jim Zub, illustrated by Troy Little, with uh, color art by Leonardo Ito. And uh, the name of the game here is, let's be honest, there's a big old elephant in the room whenever you discuss H.P. Lovecraft, right? Yeah. But in this instance, uh, for this miniseries anyway, Jim Zub acknowledges that, yes, there is an elephant in the room, but instead of having ivory tusks, it's going to have irony tusks. Because the book, how do you like that? The book acknowledges that while Lovecraft was one of the most inventive, brilliant uh, genius-infused writers that have ever come down the the pike. He was also an incredibly self-loathing, narrow-minded, racist shitcock. <laughs> but and that's built into the narrative. The, the, they will frequently say this is brilliant, but yeah, Lovecraft was pretty much an asshole. So um, and it's just basically Rick and Morty traipsing across the the Lovecraftian dimensions. Um, and the uh, the family 
uh, is pulled into it. Summer and and Beth and Jerry. I as an introduction to Rick and Morty, I think it was pretty seamless for me. Um, but the thing that really won over my heart is that the premise is Rick is meeting with a group of aliens that love sugar. And the, the deal goes horribly wrong when Morty provided them with aspartame instead of sugar. And yeah, shit, that make anyone mad. Yeah, and, and shit goes down real quick. And the the universes are infested with mythos molecules, which are particular particulates of pop culture's most infamous eldritch eyesore. And I'm like, you've you've won me over. If you call Cthulhu an eldritch eyesore, I'm in. I'm in. Love it. Yes. So uh, that Rick- gym's up. He's good, right? Rick he's and, good. He's good. He can write Rick and Morty. He can. He's good. Yes. Rick and Morty versus Cthulhu. Oni Press. Two issues have come out to date. Uh, do not discount the talents of uh, Mr. Little because the art mm. is cracking on this book. Colors are great. Art's wonderful. Story is uh the real meat here, I think. Uh, I don't want to discount the art. Everything's firing in tandem, but there is uh, uh, now. See, here's my uh, time to grab for a word. Oh, annotations. <laughs> there are annotations in the back of each issue that tells you what Lovecraft story uh, the uh, incidents were pulled from, and it's just wonderful. Three ninety nine an issue. Just go get it. Two of them. Rick and Morty versus Cthulhu. It's great. Nice. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I just have a question. If Rick is Morty's grandfather, why right. does he abuse the fuck out of Morty, but he treats Summer with kid gloves? I don't get some, it. Some, it. He treats uh, them both bad. Yes, he does. Oh, he's, okay. He's, he's a horrible person. He's a shitty... He's, he's, he's a he's uh, sociopath, a narcissist. Yeah. And he's as, always he's, drooling, though. Well, well, because he's always drunk. Well, that's the, the, oh, that's the drooling is kind of. Rick always, I didn't know what you meant. Okay. Yeah. Um. He's he's uh yeah it, he's he would I mean there in the first season like almost every episode every other sentence mm-hmm. was was ended with a burp but he's he's mm-hmm. he's mellowed out on they haven't focused on the um on the alcoholism in in recent seasons but um so, no he 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 insults. Summer and and Morty as often as he can. Well, in this book, he's like all about summer. Yeah, no, there there are there are some seasons where there are a couple episodes where yep. Morty just pissed him off, and like Summer's his favorite for a few episodes, oh. and then she'll do something or say something stupid, and then he's just yep. like, "Well, now yep. Morty's my favorite again." So hates hates Jerry, tolerates Beth. His oh, daughter? hates Jerry. His he's he he loves his daughter. He loves Beth. Okay, gotcha. Jerry yeah. Jerry ruined well. Beth's life because he got her pregnant. Um. But uh, he had also he's also cloned his daughter because he yep. wanted he, he wanted Beth to have basically the best of both worlds. Beth was she she thought her life was miserable. She she settled on marrying yep. Jerry. She's 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 a horse doctor and and she's just she's got <laughs> she's these the two best kids. Horse doctor. She is, <laughs> just, that's best such a thing. Doctor. The best it's, horse, it's, do- horse doctor. <laughs> you know, it, she's she's got two kids who were kind of just you know self absorbed and and yep. she just she she was wondering you know did she peak and yeah. and so so rick cloned her 
and uh, he 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 himself he swapped the cloning vats around so even he doesn't know. See now my head's starting to hurt. So too much, I know. too much. Yeah, too but, much information. So 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 the so one of the Beths went out into space, becomes a mercenary, becomes a badass. Oh my God. Uh, every once in a while, she'll come back to Earth. And and they'll the Beths will team up, but it is it's what's what I enjoy about the show, aside from the jokes, yeah. um, and aside from you know space cable, is that you <laughs> have a little bits. You have so many. There are there are some threads, like even though the episodes are pretty much for the most part done in one, they do. Yeah. There, there, there is enough where you know even even like in the current season, they'll. It, it, there's there's something that will connect to something that happened in the first season or two seasons, and it, it it's just I like the way that there's nothing nothing's discarded, nothing is yep. nothing is just thrown out. Everything kind of happens for a reason. I would love for Jason to watch the episode on Voltron. Uh, there are Heck just yeah. there there. I mean the the first first episode of the previous season had brought in Mister Nimbus, which is basically a Namor analog and and it's so good mr nimbus is so good and voiced by john oliver wasn't it like or like the weirdest voice actor that you could imagine for mr nimbus yes Um, jason was the one he he uh, he was the guy who created the uh, (laughs) the amusement park in the body of the uh the old bum jason dan Harmon is the voice of mr nimbus god damn what yes, have oh, what have so I good. done? What oh my god, I love the show. What but, the hell have I done? Brought up Rick and Morty, and now it's one thing when you bring it up with that period. Yeah, but, I have nobody to talk it, about it, this with. Oh, okay. They kind well. of address the clone thing uh, in one of the episodes from this season, where they do the only episode from the season that I've seen, where they're just like clones of clones of clones, and all, all the clones are being destroyed by other clones, but it's clones of the whole thing. Yes, yes, that's and what one they of were them, trying and, to do. And then they oh, touch on the yes. best thing at the end. And I was like, I think this is a like this is them addressing the what about the clones thing, which Beth is the real Beth, because that is one of the big hanging mysteries of the entire series. Yes. And I thought they did it so chaotically, so enthusiastically, so weirdly. I love how bombastic the show is. I love how ridiculous and yet how resonant it is. Like there, it drills down in these very like meaningful moments in the most absurd, violent, uh, chaotic way. And there is just something about this. I know Vince and Jason aren't into this, but like that just resonates with me. And uh, I think the, yeah, it is a, it is a private joy for me to watch Rick and Morty. I don't have any people in my life that watch oh, this show. Well, except me. You have me. So that's, no. oh. and, and the fact that, that, that my wife enjoys it as much as she does. I mean, that just, it, it's, it's yes. sci-fi. It's just, it's, and, but it's funny. It doesn't it take funny. itself too seriously, it but is, it is I mean, the whole, like, it's so there was the, the tickets, please guy. So cut. He's got oh the cum gutters. And it's like, and, and it's just the whole thing with Jesus on a train. The jelly bean uh, episode, like there's just so sorry. It's, it's it's high and low brow. Man. There's a whole episode Rose where Rose there's 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 so there's this sorry. one where where where, <laughs> where Morty, Morty wants a, a do over where he just he wants yep. to keep like in a video game he never wants yep. to die he just you yep. know if he makes a mistake or if he if, if he goes down the wrong path he just wants to press a button and reset and they do this whole montage where he's just 
every time he would throw a piece of paper in the trash bin and and if it missed he would do a redo and he would just until he would hit it he would just cross the street he'd, he'd do suicide by cop he would do these increase he would do these insane things and do a reset but instead of just living life that way rick brings it back and says that every single reset is an alternate universe version of yourself so those versions actually did perish or or and and it and it completely fucks with morty's head and and in the end it was it was just a whole episode for for rick to just prove to morty that rick is right and that you know don't don't fuck around and and you'll find out and it's just it yeah it it's i i'm glad you enjoyed the comic megalomaniac i it is it is delightful but the comics are great uh bringing they back to this point and there's one on dungeons and dragons so they're doing i'm, a, I'm going Cthulhu. to get that yes and i there's think a whole dungeons and dragons game yep, yep he did and uh he did a wonderful job and there's a lot of like really fun jokes in it uh and so i have i personally in my personal comic book collection because i read comics uh have the one on dungeons and dragons and the rick and morty dungeons and dragons game that i am convinced i will someday get my family my cousins my cousin lives right across the street from me who know nothing about dungeons and dragons and i think that the way i can get them into it is through the rick and morty module fart jokes and zany shenanigans i feel like that's the path into dungeons and dragons for them and it already comes with character sheets and dice to roll and all this stuff and so and a pre-made adventure uh that i will dungeon master for them so fingers crossed in 2023 that one they play and two that they love it that would be great Say good night. No, say no. No, don't even. That's not, was it? That was not. Not by your travels. We need to go down that road. Yay. Rick and Morty. Uh, Cthulhu. Go read it. Yes. Definitely read it. Definitely read it. Um, And there's a reason why, if I'm going to be a Krusty Bunker, that's going to be the story. That's going to be the the, the property I'll do it with. But uh, in your travels, um, I devoured all three volumes. over the course of like a day and a half of Natalie Rice's uh, Space Battle Lunchtime, which apparently was originally a series published by Oni. The first two volumes um, collect issues one through eight. The third volume, it doesn't appear to have, I don't know if it's original to this graphic novel uh, or if it was produced elsewhere, but there's nothing in the book that says originally published elsewhere. But basically... Um, the story focuses on Peony, who she's a, uh, she's an earthling. She, she, she works at a bakery and a, um, an alien comes to earth, walks into the shop, uh, to get some coffee and, uh, is impressed by this, uh, this baker's cupcakes. And, um, they had a, a contestant in this game show that uh, mysteriously disappeared. So they needed a replacement contestant. And um, so she gets transported up to the spaceship and she's now part of the galaxy's biggest and best competitive cooking show, space battle lunchtime. And uh, it's, she's the only earthling here. She's the, um, she is, she handles everything 
pretty gracefully. She's, you know, she, she's concerned. There are some things that are she's not sure about the ingredients for certain things, but um, she, uh, she hits the ground running and, and she impresses the judges. Uh, she catches the eye of a, um, of a tall, um, slightly mohawked woman from Neptune, who's, name is neptunia uh she um she is a threat to a couple of the other contestants one of them melonhead likes to uh, sabotage um his uh his competitors and um there's there's an offshoot um uh, there's another cooking show called um uh cannibalism cuisine and it's a uh the the contestant that beauty replaced ended up on um on that show we don't know why or how but we do if you keep reading the story um melonhead because he is so threatened by uh by the resident human he um he ends up um getting her shuttled away and uh neptunia has to kind of rescue her the the uh the final battle between two chefs doesn't exactly go the way everybody expected it to uh so the resolution there was uh was interesting to see the play out and the uh the end of the second volume is basically um more or less the happy ending and then the third volume kind of picks up right after that um Peony and, and Neptunia are in a relationship now, um, but uh, there's some trouble from Neptunia's past that uh, that creeps up, and um, as well as the chef that Peony replaced in the original series ties into this to the story in the third volume. So, so there's some closure here. It, it, it's really done well. Um, I dig the art style a lot. The uh, the, the the story itself is super um easy to get into it's um it's it, it's it, with the the um the whole equality aspect of it with these two women who uh for, from two different planets who find each other and, and fall in love and, and have a relationship is, is is wonderful and um i i i feel like it's just it's it's kind of um i don't know it just says science fiction on the back it kind of does it 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 and it, even with the art style, it, it it kind of feels like a um, an all ages type type story. There's uh, the the violence is cartoony and exaggerated. Nobody is um, you may lose a limb, uh, but overall it was um, it was it was a fun time. It's it's I'm not gonna call it a quick read because there was a lot of uh, love put into these pages, but it's um, the 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 coloring is great. Um, but it does there's there's you can kind of just it's it's a breezy read and 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 but i but i'm saying that as 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 a compliment i'm not um i i, I like i said i you know it's it's three volumes um as quickly as i read it just because i i couldn't put it down it was um it's it, it was a really lot of fun uh only press put it out um over the past year or two um I think the third volume might be it. I don't remember seeing a um a, a, a new volume, but 
extremely enjoyable space battle lunchtime for money press uh by natalie rice is uh, my inner travels for this week wonderful sounds great it was nice. fun I uh, in my travels, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna be very quick. I'm gonna talk about two books though because we have a badass woman on the show today, and so I wanted to talk about a couple books that came out this year from other badass women. Um, first one is uh, a book that I've had in my stack for a long time, and uh, wanted to make sure I read because uh, time is upon us, and that is Time Zone J by Julie Doucette, um by Drawn and Quarterly. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Julie was, uh, I think it's fair, Vince, right, to call her a pioneer, right? That's fair of, Indi- of Underground Comics, right? One of the I think that's fans. more than fair. Yeah. 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 Dir- Dirty um, Plot was the the an eye-opener for me, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. So so for those that don't know, and I don't blame you, um, Julie Doucette was a creator of, of Underground Indie Comics, a very raw, personal, emotional autobio comics back in the 80s and um, she actually walked away from the industry despite being very respected and critically acclaimed uh, about 20 years ago, a little more, um, because she was burnt out on, at the time, the misogynistic male-dominated culture, and she had had enough, and she went on to other things. But, um, uh, you know, her her happiness with how the industry has evolved and um uh, brought her back uh, a few years ago drawn and quarterly put out a beautiful hardcover which i own of all of dirty plot uh all 12 issues collected in an oversized hardcover and then when um she was doing press for that she she kind of got the itch to make comics again for the first time in in 20 plus years and that's what led to this uh time zone j um the book is fascinating from a construct point of view it's very simple it's it's about a it, well, it's a combination of, of uh, it's like a stream of consciousness of a lot of people uh, and uh, over history and time and, and both some personal, some historic that, that means something to her. Um, but it's also largely about uh, a time, I think back in 1989, where she was a pen pal with uh, a, someone, um, a European, uh, a person in the European military um I think the French military, but whatever, like they were pen pals and they kind of struck up like an E before like E dating. It was almost like pen pal dating. And she went and lived in Paris for a month um, to meet up with him while he was on furlough. And it's, it's her kind of story of that. And this love, this, this very passionate and, and somewhat dysfunctional love affair that, uh, that, that bluntly crashed and burned. Um, and when I'm reading the book, like it's, if you, it, it, it it's, it is one. It's called a French fold. If I look this up, um, and I don't know if 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 that's a well understood term for you, you you artist types, but it was new to me. But basically, what it is is, although the book is is bound and reads like a graphic novel, it is one singular illustration that is then folded into a hundred plus pages of of graphic novel. But theoretically, you could unbound this and lay it out on your floor, and you'd have like a twenty-foot-long singular image that she drew. Uh, and so what is cr- it called? It's uh, it's this is called Time Zone J uh, for for her name for Julie Doucette. Um and it was amazing. And and her style, um, if you're not familiar with her work, it's it's just packed for the gills. It, it every every page is is full bleed. Uh, and there's no panels. It's it's all like I said. It's one big image, and it's mostly like her and other people's close-ups of their faces with dialogue balloons. 
Um, and she also, to further make make it interesting, she wrote from the bottom to the top. So you have to read. So it's so uh, you have to really kind of train your mind to read this differently. But thought it was terrific and um, and raw and and it was great to see her back making comics after twenty years. We've had this pretty interesting last few years, right, of people that that took long periods of time off from comics coming back. Um, you know, from monsters to to uh, to Asterius Polyp to this. So so yeah. So so definitely check that out. And then the other book um, is Wash Day Diaries. Uh, by Jamila Rouser, who is the writer, and Robin Smith, who is the artist. Um, at this book, it—I'll uh, just tell you—it said it's a beautiful. It's it's with beautifully drawn characters and distinct color palettes, reflecting the mood in each story. Wash Day Diaries pays a loving tribute to Black joy and the resilience of Black sisterhood. It is a, uh, it's it's an anthology in the sense that it's five interconnected stories uh, revolving around the same group of of friends: Kim, Nisha, uh, Devine, and Cookie. They are uh, four women of color, uh, and they're just best friends. And it's just a story about their lives, um, somewhat soap operatic, uh, romance, love, life, jobs, and, uh, and and their their sharing of these experiences together, um, and their friendship. And it revolves around their like getting their hair done, um, which kind of remind, reminded me of a book a few years ago that I read called Hot Comb, which is all about women of color oh, and yeah. sort of yeah, and, and and hair and how that's got like Hot Comb you know, is great. Yeah, Hot Comb is great, right? So this is 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 similar in that it deals it it, it the kind of the, the centerpiece of the the connective tissue of these stories aside from the four women that are friends is them getting their hair done sometimes it's it's a friend working on her friend's hair other times they're, they're at the salon but but uh, this book reminded me of like a graphic novel of insecure which was uh, Issa Rae's fantastic oh, show so right good. on HBO Such yeah I show. totally loved that show it ended a year or two yeah, ago and so and. Good. It was like Issa, it was basically like Issa Rae Insecure the graphic novel. So it really I thought was terrific and uh and and you know, again, speaking about representation, this is the kind of thing that I, I wish you know I'm glad to see and I want to see more of. So uh yeah, Wash Day Diaries. And that was published by Chronicle Books. Um so not not a publisher we talk about very often, but uh but kudos to them for this one. So there you have it. Nice, love that. There you go. And I assume yours would be Squire, or do you have something else for us? Yeah, I got Squire. I'm going to go with Squire All for right, you nice. guys. So and, nice. uh, and the future Space Cat. And LaGuardia. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and I'm, and say it, and and I'm still, awesome. And Silk. <laughs> and there's a Star Trek Infinite Diversity, Infinite Combinations, where I got to make a lesbian Spock uh, married to Ahura. <laughs> so pick that up. Nice. I love it. See, I usually it. Whenever, variations on a theme. <laughs> whenever Star Trek is mentioned, David pops his pants. But I swear when you guys are going with Rick and Morty, he was naked. He was his clothes were gone. All right. Well, we firm nor deny. <laughs> Tana, thank you for being here with us. Oh, this was guys, awesome. What a great way to start the new year. Definitely not be the last time. Yeah, I hope oh, so. I hope you, you will unseat Tony as the most... Uh, Damn, uh, how, Dad, how quickly he cuts somebody's right? right? Jesus. But I'm, you know, I mean, she's bringing it, and she's she's got the smarts and the, 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 the passion and the love, and Tony's talking Maybe. about freaking hot dogs. I, like, you will, whatever. You will, you will be... I will never you will talk remain. about hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Not a euphemism. You will never, uh, you, you won't break Vince's heart as long as 
You do yeah. not stand us up for movie tickets. Oh, if yes. we have you scheduled, yeah, to be she on doesn't the know show. what that's a. Nah, that's that's Tony. Tony, yeah, he's Tony. He's he's big. He bigged up us. He big, whatever. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, he, had, no. he had a premiere. He had premiere tickets. All right. Team. That's cool. I get it's it. Okay. I see. I <laughs> She's just like, guys, got stuff to do. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I mean, unless unless it's that upcoming D and D movie with with with. Oh, uh, I, I do it. not expect good things for that. But that's and there's yeah. gonna be a snowy owl bear in it. So I'm very excited yeah. about the snowy owl bear. Mm. <laughs> All right, so Tana, thank you for being here thank with us. Thank you so much. It was, thank it you guys awesome. so much for having me. This is yeah. great. Thank Any, you guys. Anytime an you want. Much love, and I, I hope I hope the year is magical for you. Oh, back at you. Anything we yeah. can do to ensure that it is, just let us know. Or yep. yeah, including D and D heroes. Yes, D and D heroes. You heard it first. <laughs> I will be a dark elf mage. Yes, that. we'll do an entire drow campaign. It'll right. be a drow adventure in if, the underdark. If he's a drow, I'm not a drow. So whatever. oh, is a drow a dark elf? I, I yeah, <laughs> is a drow a dark elf? Um. <laughs> I have right. no idea. Seriously, I didn't know we're good. We're good. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So do yourself a favor. Get yourselves to a comic book <laughs> shop. Buy some comics. Read what you love. Go kiss your loved ones. Be excellent to each other. Ooh, and, and, and please remember to. We are doing the eleven o'clockers in two weeks, the eighteenth. So the if, eleven o'clockers is such a good name for it. It is you. so good. <laughs> Every time you. you guys talk about oh, the eleven o'clockers, I'm like, it's just it's so good. Right? Respect. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad I came up with it. Tana, you can vote. You can go to elevenoclockcomics.com. Top left corner, Dap's got a nice little tab there. Click on the tab; it will launch a Google sheet, and oh, uh, and and you can vote. And and as I keep telling people, we're getting we're starting to get lots of entries coming. That's great to see. But there are. Uh, you know, what are there? Almost thirty categories. I recognize most people don't have strong opinions on thirty different categories. You don't need to. Just vote for what you feel strongly about. So if you're a horror comics fan and that's your main shtick, then pop in there and vote for your favorite horror comic. That's cool. All good. All love. But the more votes for any category, the better. Right? We want a nice, yeah. diverse, broad nice. view of the comics landscape of that was for the year. And uh and again, we will uh we will be doing the show on the eighteenth and um, we will have a fourth person in the chair that we will uh, we have yet to finalize. We or at least we have yet to ask the person, but but uh, we will uh, we'll let y'all know that when we when we can. Nice. So, if we had a category for favorite all time episode of Eleven O'clock Comics, I know what my answer would be. <laughs> oh, I hope it's this one. I it hope is this one no, is. it is I so this one, one. <laughs> so this one. Uh, oh, what a joy! All that thing, all the things I said, and say good night. I will not play an audio file because it gets Jason uh, just upset, so I won't do <laughs> it. And you, you know what? That laugh was like, "Yeah, you're right," but I'm not going to acknowledge it. <laughs> David, you're stupid. I am good stupid. Good night. Stupid for you. <laughs> <laughs> Pilsner sucks. That's all I have to say. I do not like the Pilsner. Yeah. I dig that you're on this IPA kick. I mean, that's commitment. Thank I love it. Thank I love you. Good IPA. Well, it, it, I tend to gravitate towards things that don't have traditional tastes. Like I, you know, I, I like the 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 transgressive experience. So if you give me something that supposedly tastes like shit, I'm probably going to give it a try. 
Did we lose somebody? I hope not. Oh, oh okay. Not. Yeah, we're out of here, Maybe. people. Um, <laughs> we love you so much. Again, Tana, thank you for being here with us. Come back next time. That's it. We're out. Tell them you love them so much. Oh, so much. Oh, a ton. We love you oh. so much. God. Incomprehensible. Wow. That's it for that one. <laughs>